Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, three NBA playoff games last night. One of them looked kind of like an NBA playoff game. One of them, one team looked like an NBA playoff game. The other didn't. It did not have the flow of an NBA playoff game. And the other one was just a complete blowout. We'll start with that. The Celtics, what is Danny Ainge going to do? They had a young team. They were in the conference final. And it looked so good. And now they look like they are a long way, a long way from being in the elite of the East. There are three teams a lot better than them, and the one they're playing, the Brooklyn Nets, are just taking it to the Celtics. Man, they got that lead up over 20 early. There was no no point in watching that game. I hope you all went outdoors and got on with your life and enjoyed it. You know, before it gets really hot, just enjoyed a nice uh, spring night. That was, uh, that was a brutal game, man. The Nets just jumped all over the Celtics. It's a total mismatch. Uh, the Lakers-Suns game... You know, it was intriguing. It was close. It was tied with about four or five minutes to go there. And about the four-minute mark, the Suns get stuck on 92 and can't score for a good three minutes, and the Lakers pull away and go up eight, and that's the ball game. They just trade points down the stretch and win. And just the defining thing in this game is Chris Paul barely played in the fourth quarter. Played like two and a half minutes. He's clearly in himself. He's clearly hurt. How long is it going to take him to be right? Is the series either going to be over, or will they be in such a hole he can't come back? Uh, don't want to go to L.A. and fall behind 3-1. Need to find a way to win this series, win and get to 2-2. And 3-1's not the end of the world when you have two home games, but I just don't think you can hand LeBron 3-1 and think, oh, we'll be fine. You get you let LeBron get that close to the finish line, you're going to be in trouble. So they really need to go to L.A. and get a game. I mean, let's be honest, they really need a game too. But since they didn't get it, now they got to go to L.A. and get a game and get this thing back to 2-2 and turn it into a best-of-three series. LeBron still doesn't look right, I thought. But the Lakers were in a better place. They played their big lineup more, and it seemed to, seemed to work a little bit against Aiton. Um, he had it rolling there in the first half. Um, but you get those final four or five minutes of game, and how are they going to score? And the answer was they weren't. And, you know, they didn't have Paul there orchestrating. That's a huge problem. I thought LeBron was more orchestrate uh, kind of um, uh, facilitator guy, playing below the rim, content on the perimeter, would drive, look to pass. Hit a bunch. He got most of his points off threes. He, they, they had that stat, if you were watching the game, they were flashing it. You know, the record, they got a losing record when he doesn't get to 20 points. And he got to 18 and was stuck on it. And then he hit a couple hoops late and hit a big three. And that was his fourth three. Um, so we're still not seeing LeBron a lot, well, a little bit, but not a lot of LeBron driving the hoop in traffic, finishing strong, you know, vintage LeBron. I just don't think he's capable of it yet. When will he be? When will the ankle be better? Um you know, the Jazz can't see the Lakers until the conference final. We'll see if both teams get there. Um, but maybe by then. But he just he doesn't look like himself, but he was good enough last night. And other guys made enough shots, and they really defend. And especially with Chris Paul out. And then there's the Clippers and the Mavericks. What was that? That looked like you were watching an AAU game in some empty gym in Las Vegas in August. There was no defensive intensity. Mavericks are sitting there shooting 60% most of the night, just going up and down, jacking up shots. It didn't feel like a playoff game. It was the weirdest thing. Of course, you didn't have the crowd and the energy that comes with it. There are a lot of cardboard cutouts. There are a few people there. Um, Weird deal. Clippers lose. Mavericks are up 2-0. Plenty of people on Twitter screaming last night, the Clippers wanted this. They tanked for this. It's a fact. They did. Now they're in trouble, dropping two games at home and going to Dallas down 0-2. All right. 
Time to get to the Jazz. They are finally going to play tonight, Game 3. It's the Jazz and the Grizzlies. And uh, let's hear from Derek Favors now as the Jazz players meet with the media. Derek, what are the major adjustments that you guys can make, um, you know, um, ahead of tomorrow night that that you guys didn't do on Sunday? What can you do in Game 2 that you didn't do in Game 1? I think we can come out a little bit more focused, come out with um, more intensity, and um, just kind of match their energy. You know, in the first game, I thought they kind of turned up their energy level, their intensity level. Um, in the second and third quarter, really throughout the whole game. So I think for the most part, we just got to match their intensity level and match their energy and, and understand, um, you know, the type of team they are and, and the way that they play and just kind of match that intensity. And uh, I think we'll be fine. We just, you know, missed a couple of shots that we normally make, had a few breakdowns. Um, you know, we clean that stuff up, you know, and I think we'll be okay. Next up, Dana Green, ABC4. Hey, Derek. Um, besides the obvious scoring boost that Donovan's going to bring, uh, what else uh, does he bring to this fl- to the floor that this team needs at this moment? Um, just having his presence out there, you know, whether he makes shots or miss shots, you know, just having that his presence, having the, um, the attention that he has, you know, when he – in, in attack mode and, you know, the gravity that he has when he has the ball in his hands, just being able to create plays and, you know, force um, teams to pay attention to him. And he's also another guy who could, you know, just create for himself and get other guys involved. So, you know, with, with him out there, you know, we're a good team, but with him out there, he adds another dimension to this team that we've been missing. And, um, you know, we 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 ready for him to come back. And I know he's – Excited and he he's ready to come out and and um and help us win this series. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Dave, I thought you had one of your best games of the season against Memphis, just individually. Would you know was that the because of the benefit of a week off? Was that because it's the playoffs and you're kind of getting ready for it? You know, kind of what was uh, behind you you playing as well as you did? Oh, this is the playoffs. You know, I've been um. Just, just, just the, just the playoffs. You know, once the playoffs come around, you know, you pick up the intensity, you pick up your level of play, you, um, you just go out there and just try to make an impact, and um, that's what I did. You know, when Rudy got in foul trouble, fouled out the game or whatnot, um, I just thought the team needed a boost of energy just to just to get going because we've been out been off for a week, and you know, when you've been off that long, you kind of get rusty and kind of, you know, you got to regain that timing back and everything like that. So. You know, my opportunity came. I just came out there, played hard, played with a lot of energy, and just tried to get us going. Um, unfortunately, we came up short. But, you know, when the playoffs come, man, you got to just bring that intensity and step up your level of play, whether it's on the offensive end, defensive end, or, you know, whatever. You just got to step up to that moment and, and bring the intensity. Uh, ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Derek, with all the, you know, strange things that have happened since Sunday with Donovan Mitchell's ankle and then you guys losing – Jordan winning the award. How do you use that to your advantage going into game two, just kind of turning things in the right direction? Um, I think we'll go into game two probably a little bit more relaxed. Like you say, the situation with Donovan and I'm pretty sure Jordan, um, JC had the, you know, the award thing on his mind and, you know, just a lot going on. So I think going into game two, um, everybody be a little bit more clear-headed, be a little bit more focused. 
And, um, you know, we just come out ready to play. Not saying we wasn't ready to play in game one. You know, Memphis, you know, they played good and did a, did a great job. But I think for us, we just got to come out focused and, and ready to play and just, you know what I'm saying, match the intensity. There is Derek Favors. Here is Mike Conley. Was it kind of uh, unexpected how physical they were? And they, I mean, they were, it looked like some of them were trying to, you know, play into the crowd and, intim- and show some sort of intimidation factor. Did that kind of got, catch you off guard? Did you expect that from that team? Um, I, you know, I don't think it caught us off guard by any means. I think um, that was this is part of who they are and their identity, um, the way they play, um, similar to a lot of Memphis teams. You know, just really, really passionate. You know, play with a lot of force, play with, you know, assert themselves, and um, and, and they they stay physical, and, and that's that's something that the physicality of the game is something that we've seen all season from a lot of teams. So. To surprise us, no. I think that uh, you know, there were times where we, we probably should just focused on the game instead of the, you know, the talking or the refs or anything like that and just lock back in on the, the job. But, um, you know, I think that, that, that's going to be a situation we're going to see ourselves in uh, throughout the series. Uh, next up, Tony Jones, The Athletic. <clears throat> Mike, is it important for you guys to, to match the physicality uh, of Memphis, you know, not only – um, tomorrow night, but going forward in, in, in the series? I think so. I think it's important for us to, to, to be physical, but not lose ourselves in it. You know, and by that, I mean not getting four turnovers, four, uh, you know, the technical fouls and five technical fouls, flagrant fouls, and just being, you know, senseless with a lot of things we're doing, but have a plan, you know, be able to take a bump, keep, keep moving, be able to talk and keep going. And, um, and play through all that. That's, that's something that you know I've been been accustomed to doing throughout my whole career. And a lot of guys um, in the playoffs tend to bump it up another notch or two. So I think we just have to continue to to to, to fight back and, and, and be strong throughout you know, everything that's thrown at us. Uh, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Mike, specifically when you look at a guy like Dylan Brooks, uh, what were you seeing from him game one and? What do you want to do against him game two? Um, you know, game one, he was phenomenal. You know, he, uh, he got the spots on the floor where he was comfortable making shots. Got to the rim. He was on offensive re- rebounds, putbacks, uh, defensively. You know, we all know what he brings there. His physicality, I mean, he, he really uh, controlled the game for the better part of it. Uh, for us, it's... it's you know, going in game two, we want to just make his night a lot tougher. You know, tougher on him to get to the spots. Um, you know, he'll make some contested shots. That's what he does. But as much as we can, try to continue to get in, put hands up in the faces and, and contest shots and, uh, and box out and you know, do all the things in between. Um, he's been playing great. And uh, it's a guy we got to you know, try to slow down if we have a chance to win. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike, it's the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's murder today, and, and I wondered if you could reflect on, you know, maybe with a, a year of distance, kind of what that meant for this country and kind of what kind of progress we've made, if any, in, in, in that kind of uh, realm. Well, yeah, uh, obviously this day is significant in so many ways, I think. You know, last year, um, following his murder, 
songs to so many different people from all these ethnicities, backgrounds, colors, creeds, you know, coming together uh, to try, try to create change and not only in that moment, but something that is still is still going on today. Still people are are pushing and, and meeting with others, educating themselves. I mean, it's just that moment has sparked so much for, for us and, and Americans and this day means a lot to a lot of us. So thankful that guys have continued to fight and continue to push, especially after we try to continue to fight for change. David Locke, Jazz Radio. Mike, without getting too specific, apologize for transitioning off that back to basketball feels fairly incomplete, but uh, without getting too specific, it, it looked rewatching the game. Like you had some adjustments that really maybe were going to open things up to open that third quarter. And then you, I think only got three offensive possessions in the whole uh, game before you got out of foul trouble. Can you go back? Like, it, w- did you feel like you had made some progress and maybe something had, had started there that you never got to figure out? Well, yeah, I think obviously foul trouble at that point in the game was, was significant for us because, you know, coming out of halftime and having an opportunity to kind of sit back and, and you know, let it marinate what we needed to do, you know, different options we needed to go offensively and defensively. And have myself out there and, and we got a couple fouls and, and foul trouble. Was, it was like, you know, we're not getting a chance to really implement it um, in the way that we know it and Memphis is continuing to take advantage in the state. There's a situation we were putting ourselves into. So uh, we felt like we were, we were making progress in the second half. Obviously, we didn't that. And, um, give ourselves a chance to win. But uh, hopefully, our adjustments will be good enough next time. Thank you. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Mike, um, it's obviously been 10 years, but you were part of that number eight team to beat a number one. How does that experience kind of help now that you're on the other side of it? Um, it's, it's a little different now. You know, I obviously being on that side, I know what they're feeling. You know, I think that's what, if anything, that kind of helps me a little bit more knowing, you know, the, the mindset that they have to have to come in and, and, and complete the series and, um, you know, being an underdog and all that, and now having an opportunity to be on the other side, be the one seed, and um, you know, have people, you know, gunning for you like they are. Um, it, in, in my case, I feel like we just have to continue to match their energy. You know, we feel like we we're capable of winning. Um, we're capable of executing at a high level, but we have to do it at a consistent level, and and we just didn't do that in the first game and come with the same. Uh, intensity as they did they, they played a lot hungrier than we did and uh and that's what an eight seed you know in order to be a one seed that's you have to be and uh and you know we have to be more of that than they are all right last question ben anderson kslsports.com mike it's just been a weird 36 hours for the team between donovan mitchell's ankle and then losing game one and then getting donovan back and then jordan winning six man what 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 is the mood of the team right now how is everyone feeling going into game two um, obviously, you know, it's been, it's been up and down, you know, like you said, 36 hours, you know, it's been a lot, a lot going on and, um, you know, not having Donovan there and losing and, but then to see, you know, a, a guy who's so deserving of an award and JC and even Joe being the one that presented to him, um, just says a lot about 
who we are and, and as a team and how close we are and how excited we are for each other and, and just how we, you know, we've been through adversity before and this is another test of adversity, even with the positivities that come from JC's award and getting down the back. There's so many, you know, good things that are happening, but, you know, we took a loss in the game one, you know, how do we respond? How do we, you know, handle the adversity of, um, you know, all of a sudden being down in the series and, and I guess a team that, you know, is playing really great basketball. So, um, you know, we're excited. We're ready to get back out there and um, looking forward to game two. All right. There is Mike Conley. When we come back, we'll hear from Evan Barnes and Mike Smith. Stay with us. Evan Barnes works for the Commercial Appeal in Memphis, covers the Grizzlies. We'll get his take next. And then Mike Smith, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. Time to welcome in Evan Barnes, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Evan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing today? Well, there's a lot of stress about the Jazz in these parts, and it got heightened by what happened in Game 1. Did that lighten the mood in Memphis? Did it surprise Grizzly fans? Are there now expectations and pressure that weren't there before? How's that, how's that Game 1 win playing in Memphis? I think a lot of people are pretty excited. I mean, I think everyone kind of knew this was going to be a tough series going in. They, you know, kind of expected the Grizzlies to be, you know, kind of happy to be there. And then all of a sudden, game one started out like it was going to be the case of fatigue and tired legs. And next thing you know, the Grizzlies showed the fights that they really showed the last two weeks. And it was really kind of a surprise to a lot of people. And Memphis being such a great basketball city, they've embraced it. They're loving it. They're, they're pretty excited. And I know – it's probably not what folks in the Salt Lake City want to hear, but I know that Memphis feels like now they have a chance and they're they're fully embracing this as a as a fun series now. So a lot of things happen in game one, and I'm not sure they can recreate itself the way it did in game two, but one of the things that I think can happen again, and I'm pretty sure you probably think the same thing, is the stellar play of Ja Morant because it seems like he's just that good and only getting better. Yeah, obviously, I think the last two games, Jaw has really taken on the mantle of it's time to take that leap forward from being a really, really good player rookie of the year to now showing that this is what a star and a potential superstar does. And it's funny that Dylan Brooks was maybe the big takeaway from that game, and yet John Morant still had his fourth quarter closing instincts, and he's shown that well. So it's, it's really fun kind of seeing how he's been able to really keep that up and really even going back to how he played against the Jazz earlier this year. He's been really adept getting to the rim, even with Rudy Gobert. He has no fear, and it just really shows how he's really kind of taking his game to a different level, not showing that fear, being able to go against, you know, Gobert, get to the paint. And uh, I'd be really curious kind of seeing how the Jazz um, adjust to him now on Wednesday. Yeah, that having no fear thing, I think that's one thing that sticks with everybody watching him play, right? He has no fear. 
But the Dylan Brooks question, a guy who averages 17 a game goes for 31. Are there some things in the matchup between these two teams that are going to allow him to repeat that, or is that something he does once or twice in a seven-game series, and they got to they got to figure out some other ways to win if they're going to prevail in the series? No, I think I think uh, the Jazz have to be ready for Dylan Brooks being that guy. He's he's always been a player that is, you know, can can catch fire instantly, or he can shoot a team out of the game. And the last couple of months, he's really been able to catch fire and get his shot going. And I think with Jaron Jackson back, it frees him up to do a little bit more on the field. But he's also shooting the ball better. Better, excuse me. Um, it's funny when the year started, he was shooting career lows. He wasn't able to get on track. It was a liability. Now he's able to kind of you know be that two-way threat that he wants to be, and this is kind of the time of year where he really wants to kind of shine a bit. So he's really kind of taking that performance that he's had on Sunday, and I think it won't be the last that the Jazz see. But they're gonna you know they're gonna have to be ready for a, a guy who can be an agitator, who can be a fire starter, who can kind of inspire his teammates with his emotion. And what I think what everyone saw on Sunday is kind of what the Grizzlies have seen the last two years under Taylor Jenkins, is that Dylan Brooks can be that emotional core that the team just rallies around as much as they do Morant. So who is Taylor Jenkins, and where did he come from? <laughs> so it's kind of funny. So Taylor Jenkins was, you know, he was a former assistant with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and Milwaukee. Um, he's obviously learned from that tree. He's also learned from being with the Spurs as um, coaching in the G League. He actually was um, working with Quinn Snyder down in the G League, actually, so Taylor Jenkins is kind of an interesting guy in the sense that this is really his, his second year as the head man, but he's been trained very well by obviously two very successful coaches in Boonholzer and Popovich. And what he's done is he's kind of got the, the Grizzlies kind of believing in this up-tempo, free-flowing freedom to be themselves, but also give them the freedom to trust each other and trust him, take more threes, run up-tempo, and obviously having a player like John Morant really helps, but what he's done is he's gotten the guys to really just enjoy playing with each other. Like this is really a young, fun bunch. Um, Taylor James has often said that they're all kind of figuring it out together, and they're kind of riding that you know emotion of you know experience if you will together. So it, it's a fascinating journey for Jenkins, and I think you're seeing him kind of learn how to be a coach on this level because you know if you would have told me a year ago that the second year coach, second youngest roster in the NBA would be up 1-0. As an eight seed, I would have said no way up until at least a month ago. So there are a lot of similarities there for good reasons because everybody's roots seem to go back to San Antonio's organization. But the Grizzlies shooting 35% from three. Is that anything that's going to change? Is that something to address in the offseason? Is there any reason to fear that for the Jazz? How's that going to play? Well, I think that's it's funny because like this has kind of been like some of the best three point shooting the Grizzlies have historically had as a team. Like they've never really been a team that has been, you know, full of shooters, if you will. They've always had maybe one or two guys like a Mike Miller or a couple guys here and there. But this year they've really started to kind of show signs that the let it fly philosophy is growing. So I do think they're going to have to probably keep looking for more shooters. They're nowhere near the Jazz, obviously. I mean, the Jazz have you know. So many good shooters. You know, Mike Connolly is putting up some really good numbers. So I think the Grizzlies definitely want to keep improving on that, and I think it's really going to depend on what John Morant does. His three-point shot has been a issue. It's gotten better the last couple months, but he has to be more consistent with it. 
But I think that between drafting Desmond Bain, seeing DeAnthony Melvin kind of grow into being a shooter, Grayson Allen found his touch here. Um, I think this is going to be something that they really have to develop next year because that's where they can really take a leap and show that they're growing to be a playoff contender, not just a one-year flash in the pan. So it looks like just looking at their record that they really got it together as the season progressed, and it's clear that they play, they're playing their best ball now, obviously. Well, what do you think are some of the reasons are for that, that what we've seen and what has transpired? <sighs> well, it's funny because April, I think, is when things started to turn around. We all thought at the time that when they were having, they were going to play 11 of those games on the road, we thought that month was going to break them. Like there was going to be just a month where they would have to either find a way to win or the, the, the seven-year road trip they'd be on would just break them down and be completely tired. But they found a way to start that month winning three games on the road, um, including in Philadelphia. That was kind of where things turned around. And what helped them was they started shooting the ball much better. Um, Dylan Brooks started to play much better. And then you see John Morant starting to slowly have games where he's able to take control of the game. He had 35, I think, against uh, Anthony Edwards. He, you know, found more confidence in his three-point shot. So I think what, what turned it around was just the Grizzlies, one, embracing the fact that they've become a really good road team, but also the confidence in the shooting, the confidence in guys stepping up, and really just being like understanding that, hey, you know, they have all the confidence in the world as a young team. It's time to start showing it. And I think that, that Warriors game last year, Week, not the not the playing game, but the regular season finale. I think that game really kind of woke them up to realize, hey, you got to bring a little another level of intensity and energy, and that's what's really kind of carried them. So I think it's been a combination of them shooting the ball better, understanding that these games are important, and not being and really even last season in the bubble kind of taught them that they need to really learn how to um, adjust. So I think it's a combination of all of that. Evan Barnes joining us, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer. For the commercial appeal, so how much of a difference do you think the Donovan Mitchell return makes to the way the Grizzlies have to play it, and how much can we not really compare much of what happened in Game 1 to anything going forward with Mitchell on the floor? Well, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have um, a significant impact. I mean, he scored 70 points in the two games combined against the Grizzlies, and he was that second game he was unconscious. I mean, he was just lightning up that second game. And I think it obviously makes things different because now the Grizzlies have to account for another score on the floor. They have to make sure that their three-point defense is strong because by accounting for Mitchell, um, they obviously know that the Jazz are probably going to shoot better than they did in game one. So it's going to open the floor a whole lot more. I think you know, it's going to test the Grizzlies as a pretty good defense to make sure they stay on point with that. Um, but I do think it'll be really interesting to see kind of how Dylan Brooks defends Donovan Mitchell because – um, I, I put up a story today, basically, where Dylan Brooks did a pretty good job against him in the first game. In the second game, not so well, but nobody really did well against him. So I will be curious how the Grizzlies defend him, but more so how they adjust to the to the Jazz, you know, shooting better from three. I, I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting. So I think the Jazz really um, has to have, you know, still have an advantage, and it really is up to the Grizzlies to say, all right, how do you weather the storm of Mitchell coming back looking to kind of, you know, come out the gate shooting, if you will? When they get back to Memphis, what is being allowed in terms of number of fans? So Memphis will have 55% capacity starting Saturday. They announced it on Sunday that that's what the increase will be. So there will be about 10,000 fans in FedEx Forum, which will be kind of a 
a kind of a continuation from what's going on out there. I know you guys have, I think, have 13,000. So um, Memphis is ready for it. I know uh, Taylor Jenkins and John Morant said this week that they're looking forward to a larger crowd, and this crowd is kind of a, a warm-up for them. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. And Memphis, you know, people saw it on ESPN on, on a Wednesday with the first. The crowd down there is excited. They're ready. They'll be rocking with growl towels, waving them. You'll be hearing some Memphis music. So uh, it's going to be a fun atmosphere that's going to continue what they've seen the, the, the first two games in Utah. Does Valanciunas routinely get big guys in foul trouble? He is so big, as one of our guests said. He is girthy. So is he going to get a lot of people in foul trouble? Because obviously Rudy Gobert only playing 25 minutes and fouling out. That was a big factor in game one. <laughs> well, that was, the funny thing is that was kind of surprising almost. Like Valanciunas is is massive. I mean, by the way, whoever said girthy, give, I give them credit. That's a word we don't use that often, but I like that word. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's very, you know, he has the ability to be physical. He, he gets guys where he wants them. And it's funny, I did not expect Gobert to be in foul trouble the way that he was in, and I, I don't expect that to continue um, in game two, but if that happens, I mean, I think that's what Valanciunas wants to do. He wants to take advantage of, you know, using his size and doing what he can, so um, it'll be really interesting. I think Valanciunas will have a big role this year because he and Gobert almost played to a stalemate in game one, and that's kind of what the Grizzlies hope for, is that when Rudy Gobert is in, they have to find a way to attack and produce, because when he's off, it's a great advantage for them. So I think Valentinus will have that kind of a big man impact, kind of making this a, a fun traditional series, much of the modern series. Well, Evan, we appreciate the time and a little insight into the Grizzlies. We're looking forward to the rest of this ther- series. Thanks for joining us. Likewise. You guys enjoy as much as we do. Y'all take care. There is Evan Barnes from the Commercial Appeal. He covers the Memphis Grizzlies. When we come back, Mike Smith joins us, Jazz TV pre half and post game analyst. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Salt City Youth Sports. Registration now open for Skyhawk Sports Academy summer camps. Join them for action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports at a location near you. Choose between soccer, flag football, fueled by USA football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini-hawk camps, and more. Find program information and register today at www.skyhawks.com. Time to welcome in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, good morning and welcome back to the show. Good morning, guys. So How's cur- everybody doing? I'm right. cu- we're good. I'm curious, since you obviously played at BYU in the 80s, and then you played in the NBA, and then you broadcast for a long time with the Clippers, and now the Jazz. Have you ever seen anything like what happened with Donovan Mitchell in the playoff opener? He's out for a long time. He's good to go. No, he's not. And the team's got to go out there and kind of short notice and adapt without him. It really was a little surreal, right? Crazy. Uh, I think Rudy probably said it best, right? We didn't find out till about four o'clock that he wasn't going to play, and so I think it it affected him, right? The, the the surprise factor. Here you are playing, or you know you got all. Well, what I've never seen before 
is what happened all week, right? With the playing games, here are the Jazz are practicing all week long and don't know who they're going to play until late in the week. That was a little bizarre. So that throws your preparation off a little bit. And then all of a sudden, to be thinking we get our star back and at the last minute he's a scratch, I think it affected him. There's no question. Uh, I think I said on the air the other night that Memphis looked ready and the Jazz looked rusty. And I think that assessment was fair, but that's not even taking into the fact that, you know, the whole Donovan surprise thing where you prepared for a week and said, oh, you know, here's how we're going to attack, here's how we're going to play. And, guys, I think John Morant has a size-strength advantage on the Jazz if Donovan's not out there. You saw that. The kid can really get wherever he wants to go, so he becomes uh, a, a tough matchup. As the team gets together and starts preparing and then they get to a couple hours before the game, what would you describe or how would you describe what the mood of these guys would be? The, the, I was thinking about it, and the only thing I can compare it to is like, because usually the, the reason this is a really different aspect, because usually when you're on your own team, you know the inner workings, right? You know that, you know, Kevin McHale's out tonight, my teammate, or Larry Bird can't go tonight. You know that because of shoot-around and your own preparation, which is kept secret from the other team, right? Their coaches are even clandestine in their press conferences. He's questionable, or that'll be a game-time decision. But in the inner workings of your team, you know that. The only thing I can really compare it to, because this is so unique to me, is that oftentimes you'll get news late, you know, before tip-off that a certain star on another team is not playing. And, you know, coaches kind of have to manage the emotions of players that way, right? Like, all of a sudden, you're playing the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals and Dominique's not going, right? There's a tendency to relax and say, crap, their 30-point-a-game guy's not going to play. And so it just, I don't know. I, I, I think it threw them a little bit. Um, I think they were over-anxious to get started. Let's just eliminate the Donovan thing because it looks like he's going to play from now on, and I'm pretty convinced with Donovan and a healthy Donovan in the lineup they can beat this Memphis team. But other than that, like, it just was a weird game. It was a weird first half. I found the Jazz rusty, yes. I found them a little over-anxious. And thus, you could tell by the way their offense flowed, or better said, didn't flow. Right? Bogey doesn't score. The shot selection was poor. Rudy gets two shots. I mean, it just was different and weird. And I know the results of the three-ball are just astounding, right? Yang misses five, and Conley misses eight, and Clarkson misses all eight. That just doesn't happen in a regular season game. So I just felt like they were so anxious to get out there and do it and prove they could that as a result, it bit them in the butt. And if you could have reversed the halves, right, and just maybe the second half was their first half, I think they win the game. But as a result, gosh, they allowed Memphis to believe that they could win in that second quarter. That was the whole key to the game. They created and allowed Memphis to say, okay, we got a chance. And thus they got him.
So all of that is in the rearview mirror and is a fact, and yet I sit here strangely calm thinking the Jazz are going to win game two, the Jazz are going to win this series in five or six games. I have so little doubt about it, I'm doubting myself about my lack of doubt, if that makes any sense. (laughs) But, hey, I overthink stuff all the time. That's why PK's laughing. It's like, well, at least he came clean and I didn't have to say it. At least he's got a little self-awareness after all these years. But do you have that level of confidence in the Jazz right now? Um, the answer is yes. Like Donovan's going to play. The jazz are going to be who they are. You know, two of my keys are like, one is trust. You got to trust what you've seen for 72 games. So trust the system, trust your shot. You can't all of a sudden now become scared to play and scared to be somebody you weren't go be who you were for all those games. Go be the team that beat Memphis three times in the regular season. So trust is huge. And I believe it. I, I thought I thought Jazz in six from the get-go. I did not anticipate a loss. But then again, I didn't know Donovan wasn't going to play. And the other factor for me is Rudy's got to be tough. Rudy's got to be strong. And, and he's always strong on the defensive end. He's got to be strong on the offensive end. Hold his position. Finish high. Keep the ball. You know, catch those lobs. And... When Rudy's that guy on both ends, that changes the dynamic considerably. And, and he's got a tough matchup with Valanciunas. Do you have any concern that Donovan might come out overhyped and just try to do stuff that, that is beyond maybe the framework of what they established? Oh, I think it's a distinct possibility. Well, that's not good. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a distinct possibility that, you know, he, he, he could want to do too much. There's no question. Uh, but, you know, this is third-year Donovan, two-time All-Star Donovan, who has a playoff series and one incredible playoff series under his belt. So, different dynamic. But, I mean, does the possibility exist? Yes. I, I felt like the Jazz themselves felt that way in game one. Let's go show them. Let's go do it. And they were overhyped and, you know, a little too anxious. So Donovan could be. Let's hope he isn't. Let's hope he lets the game come to him. But, I mean, I'm excited. Guys, this is, this is the best time of year. This is, this is thinking what you play for. Uh, I was involved in three years of playoffs with the Celtics, and as a Clipper player, we didn't make it to the playoffs. I'm sure that comes as a surprise to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, it just, it's a different level. It's a notch up. It, it's, and, and, you know, the vets, it was interesting for me to watch guys like Bird and McHale handle it. They, they were prepared mentally to handle it. It was it was impressive, you know, that they could ratchet up the energy and ratchet up the intensity, but yet handle their nerves. And that's what I talk about when I talk about trust and freedom. And, you know, you got to trust what you've done. You know, Mickelson went in the PGA at 50, right? This yeah. had to stay in the moment and hit one shot at a time. Is that not the greatest thing we've ever seen in golf? I think it's the greatest accomplishment in golf history. I really do. 
See, I tried to explain that to Bob Casper and DJ the other day, and they scoffed at me, and that's what I was saying. The greatest accomplishment in golf, and Mike Smith just backed it up. So I rest my case. Absolutely. And well, I know Bobby two, th- and- two things here. Mike's wrong, and you're a Sun Devil homer. <laughs> Boom. There it is. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I didn't know the PK-Arizona uh, State connection. Oh, but- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, you could get me started on Bobby Casper and Billy if he's the greatest player that no one cared about or knew about. It's all because of the own with just being promoted. I kind of left to his left another day for another story. We're talking hoops and playoffs. And my favorite time of the year. I think that the thing that, with all the stuff that's happening with Donovan, that really needs to be focused on but is getting obscured, and I expect Quinn Snyder is beating this into the ground, and I don't think it's just with Rudy and Favors. and I think this is a... Any five guys on the court are responsible for this. You can't give up that many offensive rebounds. That's too many extra possessions. It's too many extra shots. That bothered me way more than the turnovers, actually. And I know the turnovers were driving people nuts, but all those second shots, 16 is really twice as many as you should be giving up. I always think offensive rebounds should be in that 8-9 range. Once you get into double digits, I start raising an eyebrow. Ten's uh, one thing. Right. You know, the, the Jazz had twelve. That's actually a really good number. G- Grizzlies ought to be talking to their players about guys. Twelve's a little too many. No, you're you're right because second chance points wins possessions, right? And Memphis had how many more shots than the Jazz? I think Memphis had a hundred shots in the game, and the Jazz were in the eighty-two range. The Jazz did shoot more free throws, but when you win more possessions, more chances. And listen, this is this is really a. a a matchup of two contrasting styles. You've got the New Age Jazz team, which is built out of the mold of the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns of the Nash era, where they're going to drive and kick and pick and roll and create havoc and chaos and then kick it out to order, and that order being the three-point shooters, perfectly established around the perimeter. And their whole premise, aside from Donovan's greatness, is those guys got to make shots. So O'Neal and Yang and Ingles and these guys, they got to make shots. And if they make shots, they're going to be teams. Now you got Memphis. It's not grit and grind Memphis with Conley and Gasol and Zach Randolph that the Clippers face many times in the playoffs. It's not those guys, but it still is a contrasting style. It's still old school because they don't shoot the three well. They're athletic and big at the guard spot, which helps them against the Jazz and the Conley matchup. But they have a, a paint presence which is what you're talking about, DJ. They, they can offensive rebound. They can throw the ball to Valanchunas on a deep catch and a post-up, and he's big enough and girthy enough that he's going to give Gobert trouble because he's going to go into him. And he shoves Gobert. He's stronger, it looks like. Lower center of gravity, he's moving him around. So this is a battle. I think you'll see a lot of favors in this series to contrast or you know combat Valanchunas and what he presents and – I mean, just think of the paint, right? Morant's going to score in the paint. They're going to throw the ball to Valanchunas. And then, of course, you can't let them get out and run. But they're not world beaters. You know, there are a few games over 500. The Jazz were, you know, 52 and 20. So you should take care of business. So now for the first time in five weeks, Joe Ingles goes back to the bench. You're Quinn Snyder. What are you telling him to make sure – that he maintains his level of effectiveness because he's an awful 
important piece of the puzzle that we got going here. Yeah, he's he's the playmaker extraordinaire. He wears multiple hats. He's clever. You know, he's sneaky. He's tricky. And he can shoot the lights out. He had arguably one of the greatest shooting years we've seen. Uh, He almost goes a 50-40-90 for a guy who had never shot higher than, say, 75% from the line. It just was a marvelous shooting year. No, you just tell Joe to be Joe. Uh, The the bench factor is just, I don't know, at this this point in Joe's career, it's not not about being established or you know, getting credibility from his peers. He now has it. You know, just the fact of being runner-up to six-man of the year, he's in that discussion. Jordan was the hands-down runaway winner, but here's Joe, his teammate. I think that was unprecedented for both guys to be one-two from the same team. It gives you an idea of the Jazz depth. But I don't worry about Joe. I really don't. He's got to shoot well for the Jazz to win, but I think, I think he'll do that. So just to be clear, Mike, the reason that the Tiger Slam is the best, most difficult, most incredible thing I've seen in golf is that I think I might see another guy who is 50 win a major championship. Athletes are extending their careers. LeBron, title at 35, Brady at 43. But I'm never going to see another golfer win four straight majors ever. That part, that part is probably true. Thank you! Um, that 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 part is true, but I thought we were talking about one singular event. Right, right. So, so let's, if you want, let, let, if you want us, if yeah, you let's go include five or six events, Mike. Let's just change the goalposts to come up with your point. Whatever okay. you want to do, Mike. The floor is yours. Change all the rules, buddy. Nope, I'm fine with that. If we're gonna have the best pure point guard conversation with Bowler, let's have it. Go ahead, Mike. That is the best year in golf, no question. I mean, he was so dominant, it was ridiculous. But this one event, yeah. come on. Yeah, exactly. Fill the thrill. I thought, I thought my boy Nance was going to say, Phil at 50. Oh, I like I it. I think Nance said, Phil, Phil defeats father time. So he had something up his sleeve anyway. Yeah, Phil. See, Phil and I, we're like brothers, man. I mean, his mother-in-law. Same age? Uh, maybe a little older by one, one other guy. But uh, <laughs> uh, Phil's mother-in-law, Mike, has been in my house, in my living room in Sandy, Utah. How about that? You're kidding. So it, was Amy raised up here? Yes. She went to Hillcrest High School. Oh, I didn't School. know that. Oh, yeah. She went to Get Hillcrest. out of here. Yes. The pride, the, pride, the pride of Marty Haas? Did Marty go to Hillcrest? Hillcrest High? Oh, Heck then yeah. Then Marty yeah. is not only... Marty's not only state runner-up in basketball, they lose to Brighton, but I think they win the football championship. Marty is also the 100-meter state champion in running or track, and he's state champion center fielder on the baseball team. Oh, That's, was he really? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, that was the Hillcrest, the Hillcrest Huskies, 1984 or 85. Oh, cool. And I'm from California. How the heck do I know that? Because <laughs> you played with Marty, would be my guess. So, but. <laughs> Marty was yeah, busting true. chops on the bus. That's why. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah true. she went to Hillcrest, uh, grew up in Sandy. Her mother had a little dance that studio in her house and taught all oh. the girls in the neighborhood dance. Plus, she was a big sports fan. So they since they moved down Amy to San Diego too. years ago. But uh, yeah, when several years back, she was a big sports fan. I got to know her well, and she came over to my house a couple times for some from, for some uh, stuff. Wait, um, wait, 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 DJ. He's now saying that he dated her. 
that they were an item in high school, that he had her before. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, right, I, come I, on. get this. Amy McBride was a Phoenix Suns dancer, and I grew up in Phoenix, so I'm sure she had heard about me at some point. So, so Mike, here's, here's, here's the deal. Because you've done the show so many times, you know us, but because you did it a lot when you were living in California, you weren't listening to the show, you don't know the backstory. Future shows as you come on, we'll always give you one backstory. PK's got hilarious Jersey stories. He may or may not have mobbed up gambling relatives. He may or may not have stolen his sister's car and wrecked it when he was specifically told not to take it. There's a lot of stories out there you got to hear. Well, you're right about all those things. Calling you from California and flying in to do the jazz games leaves me very limited. In my DJ and PK knowledge, even yep. though I know you guys are the number one show. But mm-hmm. I'm moving up here. Yeah. So yeah. you won't be able to push things past me anymore after this. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll get you up to speed. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. Go Jazz. There's Mike Smith, Jazz pre-half and post-game TV analyst. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. You know, I don't think it caught us off guard by any means. I think this is part of who they are and their identity, the way they play, similar to a lot of Memphis teams. You know, just really, really passionate, play with a lot of force, play with, you know, assert themselves. And, and they, they say physical, and, and that's that's something that the physicality of the game is something that we've seen all season from a lot of teams. So to surprise us, no, I think that uh, you know, there were times that we, we probably just focused on the game, so, uh, you know, the talking or the refs or anything like that, just lock back in on the job. And, you know, I think the talking, the headbutting, whatever. Mike Conley just locked back in. There he is looking ahead to game two tonight, PK. Question of the day is up. How confident are you this thing gets even at 1-1? The big question tonight when the game tips off at 8 o'clock. It's all that matters. Find a way to win for sure. Yeah, I have a lot of confidence. I'm overflowing. I'm brimming. I'm beaming with confidence. Nice. Why wouldn't you be? Because the Grizzlies are good. Because Donovan Mitchell is going to be rusty and the team's going to be out of rhythm as he returns. Don't give me cuz anything. Speak the language. Because. Because the night belongs to Jazz. Sing it. That'd be sweet. It's their time. Time to even it up at a game apiece before you head back to Memphis. Don't want to dig the same hole the Clippers are digging. Injury reports for the Utah Jazz currently has no one on it going into tonight's yeah, well, game. I, I wait for the one at 4 o'clock. Get the 4 o'clock update. So that's the one that matters. <laughs> we saw that uh, the other day. Mid-afternoon check-in. Yeah. They, they put out several. Well, really they put them out when they're necessary to be put out. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Griffin out of the right wing, hands back Harris. Steps into a three. It's good! And now he owns the record for most threes in a playoff half for the Nets. Harris with six of them. Great dish. 
Schroeder drew the attention. Finish yeah. it, AD. LeBron James, wide open for three. Yes, sir! Dodgers across the line from right to left. Mavericks trying to play two for one. Luka off one foot from three. Oh, what a ridiculous shot. He was drifting to his left and just put it up because he was trying to play two for one. Highlights from the three playoff games last night. Are you ready, PK, to see if the Clippers can get off the deck? They've dropped two games at home. Now they go down to Dallas, down 2-0, 127-121. Luka Doncic with 39 points to offset Kawhi Leonard's 41. But it was a defensive end for the Clippers, all the intensity of a, of a lunchtime pickup game. Really? Yeah, I thought the Clippers just waiting for him to dial in and for it to get intense, and it never happened. Their free throw defense was really good, though. Ha! Huh. Dallas was 13 to 24. They almost shot worse from the free throw line than they did at the three. 50, Weird. 53% from the three, 54% from the two. 58 and a half overall from the floor. Took a long time to drop below 60%. time shooting. Mavericks were shooting 60% in that game late into the game. Cooled off a little and still got it finished at 58 and a half. You're going to win zero games. <laughs> when the other team shoots 58 and a half percent. Yeah. And over 50 from three with the amount of threes that even the, except for the Spurs, the average team takes in the number of threes. There's no way you're going to win. That team had it going on big time, man. Obviously, Tim Hardaway. You know, Doncic to an extent, maybe you don't expect him to play that well and shoot that well. <clears throat> so you can say that. Porzingis at 20. I mean, he's capable of doing that. Uh, Hardaway jumped out at you with a 28. Six of eight from three. Getting I mean, wide open shots. I mean, if you're the Clippers, you look at that and you say, okay, we're partly responsible. But they're, they're partly responsible for great shooting. But if you're looking for positives... Are they going to recreate that? I don't care that they're going to Dallas. I never get caught up in the venue. I get caught up in what happens in the venue, not where the game is played. But if they can shoot like that, they're going to win the series. But you can you can tell yourself, and we can improve on this, plus they're probably, even if they had a bunch of wide-open shots, not going to shoot that well. Lakers and the Suns, now a game apiece. Very little Chris Paul in the fourth quarter. Played two and a half oh. minutes sitting over there. Only 23 minutes in, in the, the game. second half, very little. Yeah. And the Lakers win 109-102. The Suns were in position there to battle down the stretch with about four or five minutes to go. They got stuck on the number 92. The Lakers got a lot of stops. Chris Paul was watching, and the Lakers finally yeah, pulled away that, and win. I that end of the game, I thought it was 93, but maybe it, it was 93-92. You're right. Uh, I think that that's the precise time they yep. needed Chris Paul. Now, campaign as his backup didn't play all that bad. He did not. But still, not having Chris Paul during that very, very time that the game was hanging in the balance because from that point on, it was virtually all Lakers, and they could do no wrong, and the Suns could get nothing going there. And I thought, man, this is this is exactly where Chris Paul could have helped. Maybe he doesn't make a difference, but I would have liked to have seen the opportunity. But Phoenix is cursed. I mean, they've had so many things over the years, and I'm familiar with it, where things go wrong. Nash gets hip-checked, and Stoudemire and Dial take a step toward him, not toward the court. And boom, they're out for game six, and they lose and lose the series. And 
just funky little things that have gone wrong for them. And Chris Paul, another injury at the worst time. LeBron James, 23 points, still didn't look like himself, but he was good enough. He hit a lot of threes. Four, four of nine from threes, that was 12 of his 23 points right there. Well, Picked his spots awesome. other than that, but they didn't need more. So I thought he looked awesome, man. I think this is who LeBron is. Maybe he's, this isn't himself. I don't, I don't know about that. I thought he looked great. Anthony Davis, 34 points, 18 of 21 at the free throw line. That's a boatload of free throws right there. James yeah. Harden thinks that's a lot of well, free throws. Yeah, it is, but uh, Booker was 17 to 17. If you look at the free throw disparity, there was one for the Lakers. Yeah, so yeah. 31 to 30. Uh, I thought the, I thought the difference in the game was Schroeder. Way he got to the hoop, got him some easy buckets. Yeah, 24. I just don't count on him scoring that much. Made up for Contavious Caldwell-Pope getting shut out in 31 minutes. Yeah, but that, who, who the hell is he? No yeah, offense still, to you. You still expect him to hit a few buckets. I don't know that I do. I don't expect starters to get shut out. He doesn't average zero points per game. they have to have a fifth guy out there. <laughs> he doesn't average zero points per game. I have no idea what he averages. Nets beat the Celtics 130-108. to Brooklyn up 2-0. It was ridiculously easy. They were up 20-25 in the first half and cruised to victory. Yeah, I was thinking about this. You know, a few years back, Ainge fleeced them, and the Nets were looking like they were going to suck for a decade, and the Celtics were just going to be recapturing the 60s, and here we are, the Celtics suck, and the Nets look like they're dominant. So you never know, pro sports, what's going to happen. Three years later, everything's different, right? Crazy. I mean, remember that time, and the Ainge was supposed to be all this and made all these moves, and hasn't panned out. And obviously, they've got injuries right now. Doubleheader tonight. Well, two Eastern games early, and then the third game will be the Jazz. Uh, NBA TV has the Wizards and Sixers at five, and the Hawks and Knicks at five thirty on TNT. And then it's the Jazz in the late game. Mavericks forward Kristaps Porzingis fined 50 grand for violating the rule prohibiting players from going into bars, clubs, lounges, or similar establishments after he attended a club on Sunday. Ah, the Tata Bar. Come on. These guys are NBA guys. What are they supposed to do? Turns out there was a 50 grand cover fee. Yeah, he'll pay it. He said he briefly went there. What was it? Were they ugly? I don't know. <laughs> nope, I'm out. <laughs> Wait, I'm not supposed to be here. This is going to cost me 50 grand. It just dawned on him? I was there for several hours, but I'll call it briefly and try to make it sound uh, not quite so bad. 20 minutes tops. This is like all these politicians. You can't do this or that, and then video surfaces of them out there doing this or that. Rules for (laughs) thee, but not for me. Brother. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I think Jordan is definitely, you can tell he put some work in in this offseason on his own. I think the ball is really jumping out of his hands well right now. And, you know, it's day two of OTAs, and all we've really done is thrown routes on air. We had some seven-on-seven, but you guys could see that the team periods, they're not full speed. So we're excited about just some of the progress we've seen with him, but certainly there's there's a long way to go there. That's Packers coach Matt LaFleur talking about the former Utah State Aggie Jordan Love, who's getting 
All the important reps, PK, if there are important reps in OTAs. What's an OTAs? When is just spring practice? Yeah, Can we call know. it Organized what it is? team activities. It's spring practice. Can, can call it what it is. OTAs? I assume that comes out of the labor but, agreement. But you don't have yeah. to yeah. participate in that. Spring and, practice. And Aaron Rodgers is hey. just not participating. It's too bad you don't like jargon, because there's a lot of jargon in this world. OTAs, that's some classic jargon right there. Spring practice. NFL announced the teams will be permitted to host fans at training camps this subject summer, subject to state and local guidelines. Had doors closed during the pandemic last summer, but now they're going to open it up. All but two teams have permission. The Colts and the Broncos don't have permission yet. But they may get it. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. He drills the ball, right center field, and it is gone! He has done it again! And he is all alone atop the Major League home run leaderboard right now. Number 16 for Flatty, and it's 2 to nothing, Blue Jays. The pitch from Corbin Burns, and it is taken outside. Kim trying to go to second. He does. Throw back home, is wide, and not in time. They pull off the double steal, and Caratini comes home as the Padres take a 1-0 lead. Shohei Otani with his 15th home run of the year. And the Angels beat the Rangers 11-5. Clayton Kershaw back to Houston PK. Picks up win number seven. He's 7-3 now. Dodgers all over the Astros 9-2. Keeping pace with the Padres who are all over the Brewers 7-1. Yeah, it's very impressive what the Dodgers are doing. You know, they've they've got a lot of injuries in their lineup. They got, I can argue, uh, three starters out easily, and still they slumped a little bit, but now they're back. And Kershaw was dominant. I was watching a good portion of that game because the Celtics and was a bad game. Yeah, yeah but I flipped over and it was already out of hand. Did you get there before it got out of hand? Baseball? Yeah, yeah. Now when I flipped over, it was first inning. It was. Toast. And then flip over earlier. Guess I should have. <laughs> heard Shohei Otani hit 15. You also heard Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit number 16. So, who's going to lead the majors in homers, PK? Those two guys are rolling. They got it going. They certainly do. Bizarro matchup of the night. How often do high school teammates pitch against each other in the big leagues? Lucas Giolito beat Jack Flaherty. And they both went to Harvard Westlake High. Yeah, I think that's where the uh, the Collins brothers went. Mm-hmm. Maybe they went to Crossroads. It's over there in the Santa Monica area, and there are two private schools. And that, that that particular school you just said has been good in baseball for a good long time. They were good when I was there. Cleveland Indians put starter Zach Plesic on the injured list because of a non-displaced fracture of his right thumb. 26-year-old suffered the injury while rather aggressively ripping off his shirt, caught his thumb on a chair in the locker room, according to Terry Francona. Well, sometimes I go animal style. I just rip him off. 
Is that more bizarre than uh, playing video games? Had a video game injury earlier this year. I don't know. I don't know how you would get injured on that. I guess I don't know how you get injured getting naked either. Bryce Harper's injured. He's on the 10 day injured list with a bruised left forearm. He missed two games with the injuries in an 0 for 16 slump. Maybe he'll be able to sit, hit reset during this time off. Well, but he doesn't get injured when he hits it. Bees blank the Las Vegas Aviators 12 zip, their fourth straight win. In the series finale, Bees will open a home series against the Round Rock Express tomorrow night at 6.30. Ready to have fans at the ballpark, PK? Expecting a big crowd for that one, I think. They are? Aren't they opening it up for everybody? Sure, so but does that mean it's going to be a capacity? In? Really? You Weather's know, supposed to be good? People are flooding in, huh? Where'd you hear that? So. We want sports back. Every time something gets opened up, it seems like it's a big crowd. Oh, so you made it up. Pent-up demand. Okay. I didn't know if they were having fireworks or something, what have you. Don't know the fireworks schedule either way. We'll see. I'll be I'll be eagerly listening and watching the uh, attendance tomorrow. But they are home, and the stadium's supposed to be opened up, and it's a Memorial Day weekend. So you want to get out to the ballpark early, you can. They'll be home all Memorial Day weekend. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's... Shamrock Plumbing. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, joins at 8.30. Look ahead to Game 3 tonight. Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports. Pro Basketball Talk will be here at 9 o'clock. Question of the day. Your level of confidence in the Jazz. Trying to tie the series up 1-1 tonight. We'll get to it next. Stay with us. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotting and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes of Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. No, it ain't. Question of the day, how confident are you this thing gets evened up at 1-1? Even it up, baby. That is the whole goal. That is the only goal. Even it up. Gwen is 200% confident with three exclamation points. It's going to be a totally different ball game. Crank it up as we even it up. Even it up. You know where I'm going with this? No. Playing some mean air guitar over there, though. Bite your lower lip, man. It's the way you do it when you rock. And it please you. Ain't that what you said? Now hold on here just a minute. You seem so alone. I guess I was easily let. Oh. Love is that it went to, you know, this is kind of the jazz a little bit, you know, this year. But you know what they're going to do? Even it up. Right now. Come on. Come on. 
Win right now. One more time. Yeah. They're going to even it up. I got Ann and Nancy backing me up. Hall of freaking famers. Let's hear it for hearts. <laughs> Come on and even it. Even it up. Yeah. Brian's on board. He says I can't see him losing. If they do something is seriously wrong with the world. Yes. And the league. And life. The only way they lose if they get screwed out of it. They will even it up. That's my theme for today. Come on, even it up. And they're going to even it up. Aaron says choking and the Utah Jazz are synonymous. One and the same, if you will. Aaron does not believe. Eh, I would say New Orleans Jazz, but I don't know about Utah Jazz. (laughs) Why would he say that? He doesn't like the Jazz, and he wants to hurt people's feelings. Or because the Jazz have gone out in the first round two years in a row. Or because he used to live in Los Angeles, and he roots for the Lakers, and he's sick of dealing with all these Jazz fans in Utah. Well, then go the hell home. <laughs> and stay out. If it was so great, you'd be there. So shut up. Turns out he actually grew up in Washington. He went to Prosser High School. Check the profile there. And then go back there. (laughs) And Hart is from Seattle, and they're telling us they're going to even it up. Scott says, I'm 100% sure. No doubt about it. It, This game, this series doesn't go more than six. Five is still my bet. Five seems a little optimistic and dismissive of the Grizzlies. This is not a bad team. Oh, not at all, no. This is a good team. I've been saying it for weeks. Western Conference, I think they're legit nine deep. And they were the one who got through and got to the eighth seed. Nothing easy about going in and beating the Warriors. You're a good team. The win total all year tells you that. No. But the Jazz are better. Yeah, I expected it to be a series. I didn't think it was going to be a walkthrough. It's really no surprise. Do you think it was six when it started? I don't know. See, you can be four and have it be a great series. You have four nail biters. Or what What do you got, elbow biters or something? You're kind of hypochondriac. Knuckle there. biters. Knuckle yeah. biter. Yeah. Nails are gone, dude. You're right down to the knuckles. Yeah. I admire you, man. You, you, You've you worn just, right through those feet. You stick to something and it ain't going, man. You're probably going to bring over the turn up the turnovers here any second now and how you were right. I was going to save that for the 8 a.m. Three hour. weeks ago. <laughs> Take it to the grave. <laughs> grave! <laughs> so, I, I can't tell you the number of games, but I expected a hard, ser- hard-fought hard series. And as I say, you could have four and have them, all of them be real tough. And uh, somebody makes a play here and there. So, the, the amount of games in the series, obviously the longer it goes, it can dictate the competitive nature. But at the same time, you could have a long series and have three or four blowouts. It would be unusual, but you could have that. So I was looking at the intensity of the series and that it wasn't going to be a cakewalk, that they weren't going to just breeze through. 
You know, they're so far they're not breathing through. Uh, and now we'll see with uh, Mitchell back. Uh, he obviously he's a difference maker. So I was expecting a hard fought series, and it's to no surprise. You know, the, the one big surprise to me, two big surprises: the Jazz couldn't buy a three, and Dylan Brooks was awesome. Other than that, John Morant. I mean, I just saw him do the very same thing against the Warriors. The very prior game he played, he did the exact same thing. Kid's a player. We all agree on that. Valanciunas has been in the league now for a number of years, and he's a mountain man. He's huge. So A mountain man or a mountain of a man? I said mountain man. I don't know, but if you want, whatever you want. Uh, but he, he, he's got skill. You know, he can hurt you, especially he gets the ball in position. It's real tough for Rudy to do much when he gets the ball right in front of the bucket and just shields his Gobert with his body because that is a large body, and he's got a nice touch. And they say, you know, we're mostly made up of water, so that would make him a large body of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was one more for him to go to. It's something about the Great Salt Lake. I, I thought he was going. Say, I was waiting for him. one more. He, oh, he didn't want to go there. He has no connection to here. He pushed it a little bit. It's not Dwayne Wade. He's not a Utah. <laughs> Playing golf. <laughs> golf at Riverside. They didn't even ask me. Come on, man. Should we shoot Ryan a text Jeez. and say, hey, when's our invite coming? Yeah. I, mean, I, I have been pumping the state of Utah a long time on this air. And I've been saying for the Jazz, I don't want to hear it. That's a bunch of crap that guys aren't going to want to come here. I've been saying that for a long time. Dennis Lindsay has been on record as saying he and I but, are going to change that perception. But that perception teammates, is so freaking ridiculous. But your teammates with Dennis Lindsay on that, Dennis told us that on the air. Correct. He came on the zone and said, Yes. PK and I, I, I are going to change that. Yes, and I really believe it. I've been pumping that for years well, because maybe, I think it's absolutely true. Maybe D. Wade views you as Dennis's teammate, so he didn't have you on his team. That doesn't make any sense. We're all on the same team, brother. You can only have four. This is in L.A., no fivesomes. Oh, then we can have ten groups of four. That equals 40. Tournament. I didn't Bring say it on. I needed to play in the very foursome. With Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Just got to get on the course. Yes. Huh? Okay. And now, in fact, I'm... it could have been hours later. I don't care. <laughs> I need to be just in shouting distance. Yeah. He could have been in the car driving wherever he was driving. I'll drive I in when you're driving out. Yeah, fine. Just invite me to play. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I want to play golf is what we're getting at. Yeah. One time I got invited to play Riverside. And I got there early. And, you know, that's a private place. Uh-huh. And so I got there early. Uh, I must have been doing something work-related with BYU or whatnot. So I get there early, and I thought, eh, I don't want to be conspicuous, right? So I go over, way over to the right, by the... Uh, On the driving range? Uh, no, the driving range is off to the left. Okay. Uh, it's back. Okay, so you're not even going to the range. You are, no, 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 no. You're being conspicuous. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I, you were early, so you are just going to hit balls in the range. No, I, I got there so early that I... I I just did. I, I just wanted to stay out of the way. It's over by uh, the uh, the uh, I don't want to say clubhouse, but the the whole facility that is not the pro shop, the banquet room and all that stuff, whatever you'd call it. Uh, so I'm over there. And <laughs> the pro sees me. PK over loudspeaker. If you've like, you want to hit balls. I know you're here early. Just come on over. I'll give you some balls. <laughs> 
embarrassing. Thank you. <laughs> so embarrassing. You know me when I get out in public, right? I oh, like to gosh. just blend in. This would be horrifying <laughs> for public PK. And just horrifying. Not be seen because there's a bunch of people around, and and I'm just I thought I just wait, sit over in the shade. There was a bench over there. I'll just wait. And he calls me, and uh, you know, shucks. So. I go over there and... Did uh, you say shucks? Yeah. If I had told the story and said shucks, you'd have been all over the Sniggledorfs. That's not how you talk off the air. Well, that's the way I talk off the air. Oh, okay. That's not the way you talk. I, that truth has just been said by both of us. <laughs> yes. oh, poser. Yes. You poser. Exactly. Oh, we, shucks. We both, I said to myself, shucks. I'm trying to maintain shucks, a, low, a low profile here. And I got outed. Over the loudspeaker, no <laughs> yeah. less. Attention, Mr. Kinnahan. Yeah. People look around like, what? Yeah. And then one other time I was there on the uh, ninth tee, and uh, I heard uh, on the first tee, next up, the joiner single was a Wally. And he got up there and blasted one. I played there several times. Another time when I was on the ninth green, walking off the 18th, was your man. I simply call him the undefeated one. The undefeated one. Yes. The okay. undefeated one. Robert J. Bosco. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Isn't that 1984. <laughs> I love Robbie, but isn't that the day that ends in Y with him out there? <laughs> yeah, he's a good golfer. He was there with a Fowler and a couple other guys. They were walking off uh, 18, as, and the the greens are side by side, separated by card path, basically. And uh, so I was, uh, I went over to them, and they were they were just finishing up playing. Uh, it's a beautiful place for sure, uh, absolutely. And Dwayne Wade was playing it there yesterday, and and uh, he's going to spread the word, and that's great. I've been spreading it now for years because I really, really believe it. I really, honestly believe that that's a bunch of crap, and you get players to uh, see what this is about in their process, and they're going to flock to it. As Ryan Smith says, this is only the beginning. And I believe it. Now they got it. That's all well and good, but they still got to win tonight. Care to take a shot at the point spread tonight? See how much Vegas I mean, believes? I have no idea basketball point spreads. I and they are much crazier than football, and we've been over how much a game can shift. I, I would say the four or five points, but I don't have any. Nine. I don't have any. Just, But that goes to the level of confidence. You, if you win by nine, you, didn't, you weren't lucking out in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> nice, Gary Croton. <laughs> a lot of BYU football references all of a sudden. Speaking of two, the Knicks are a two-point favorite over the Hawks. Well, when, when you say win by nine, nine. there's only one. Not by way. two. Well, win by nine, they win by That's, two. Uh, what is that now? Is that a, uh, what, 17, 18-year-old quote? Something like that? No. That was the week after the Stanford game when Stanford was held to its record low passing, 25 yards, and uh, the Cougars could have run the ball and, and probably run and, out the clock yeah, and punted, made made Stanford go whole length of the field instead. A young John Beck, if I remember correctly, very young, maybe even a freshman, uh, throws a pick, and Stanford wins the game. And then on Monday, old Gary said, I'd rather it was trying to win by nine, not by two. And Bolajak and Monson were doing the show, and I think I uh, texted somebody. I said, I got a soundbite for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that blew up. I, I mean, I felt bad for Gary because he was trying to say, I'm trying to be aggressive, the aggressive mindset to uh, have our team think that way. I think that was the message he was trying to send. But the words he used, uh, the fan base at that point didn't want to hear it. They just wanted to win the ball game. Like Gary Patterson used to talk to him. What's your, what are you looking for? Win by one. That's all he would ever say. Win by one. <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> and really, that's all that matters. And that's what matters tonight. I mean, the point spread can be whatever it is, but win by one. And and so I don't. That the point I'm making by saying win by one, I don't need the Jazz to go out and throttle these guys to somehow say, okay, we're sending a bigger message. I I suppose you can say that in the short term. If you go out and win by 15, 20 points, and it's not much of a game, you're in control. Although this is the NBA, it's hard for me to imagine a team is going to be in control for the entire 48 minutes. But a good portion, let's just say the second half, you're in control of this. I suppose you can say, well, that means that you know Sunday was a little bit of a fluke with Mitchell. We caught off guard, blah, blah, blah. We didn't make shots. And so now, I mean, we really got him. That's fine. That's a nice theory you can say. But when it comes time for Saturday night, how much does that mean? Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves because they haven't done that yet. But even if they do that, my point is just win by one. And if you win by one, the series is 1-1, and you got to find a way to go win at least a singular ball game in Memphis over the holiday weekend. I would think Jazz fans wouldn't want it to be too easy and give the team some false confidence going into the weekend. Yeah, see, I don't don't you still want to have an edge? You want to have an I edge? I think they're going to have an edge. The Jazz and these young guys, and they talk about it, how this generation is always on Instagram and TikTok Mm -hmm. and Twitter. Twitter seems like an old folks, fogies thing now. Uh, If you really want to find out what's going on in people's lives, it's all about IG and DMing on IG, uh, on Insta and all that stuff. So uh, all that's available for them. This team has... I can't imagine that they this team has ever been that disrespected as a franchise given when they've had this quality of a team and back it up with this many wins. So I don't know that they need to go looking anymore for an edge because it seems like virtually everybody and their dog outside of this market thinks they're going down anyway. So Joe... In, in 45 minutes, Joe will be driving his kid to school if, the, if school's not out. And all we got to do is say it. And he probably already knows it. I know he listens a little bit. And, and I know some of the other guys listen. And they know full well. You're already disrespected. So you need more. How much of an edge is enough of an edge? Whatever it takes to win this series in five or six. I think it, play, I th- I think it takes outstanding play. Because it's not going to be easy, but at the same time, Monty Williams has a thing, a uh, guy, the uh, son's coach, very, very deep, and he has a lot of philosophies, and he's saying, do you ever notice that something that you want really bad, and I'm paraphrasing, something that you want really bad is always stationed on the other side of hard? <laughs> yeah, I have noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because we're about Monty's age. <laughs> I don't know if I'd noticed that when I was a player's age when he's dropping it on NBA players. Yeah, but I I see I think they I think they can get that. And that's a that's something that I think younger. I think by the time you get to the NBA, mm-hmm. I think you know it. Younger, the old uh the 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 what's his face? The uh, AAU high school college or maybe you don't have it. Basketball coach uh, George fo- Carl? Football, football, football. 
uh, Pete Carroll, Chris no, Peterson, Chris Peterson. Okay, you know the uh, the dumbest group in America. Yeah, is males age eighteen to twenty two. Drop that at a Pac twelve media day on our air with you. Busted up. <laughs> Everybody started busted laughing. up. Yeah. The tone in his voice. Yeah. He had specific stories we wanted to know that he yeah. wasn't going to share. Right. But he gave us the big picture. Right. I've been dealing with some headaches here. Right. And he said that. And so I think it's more of a younger. I think these guys now. They've they, had to clear a couple hurdles to get to the yeah, NBA. I, yeah, I think they get that, really, to accomplish what you want, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy because you've got a veteran team, plus you got a guy like Mitchell who is born to play this game and has a historical perspective of this game. So he knows about all the stars and their struggles and all that. So he gets it. So I think they're fully aware that it's going to be hard. And I think they're going to have laser focus from here on out. Well, I'm expecting it tonight and then uh, worry about games three and four when we get to Saturday and Monday. But expecting it tonight, and that's one of the reasons I expect them to win tonight and even this up 1-1. I would think a focused, slightly angry jazz team that's got an edge to it. And I think that combination is usually really yeah, good. Well, it's really good for lots of teams and lots of sports, certainly. but it's certainly really good for this jazz team tonight. All right, we got more of you weighing in on uh, Twitter. Some of us are hitting us up on uh, Facebook here. We will get to that next. Tim LaCombe's here at 8.30. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke joining us. So when Donovan Mitchell comes back, Dylan Brooks will probably get that assignment. How does that affect the ability of other guys to create some opportunities for themselves? I think that opens up everything. Like, I just don't think he could take Joe Ingles out of the game the same way if Donovan Mitchell's on the floor because he can't guard both of them. And frankly, Donovan torched Dylan Brooks during the regular season, statistically at least. But Donovan being absent from that game changed everything. I think both psychologically, what the players went through in the six hours before tip-off was certainly different than what they anticipated. And then we just had guys who had bad nights. You go through four days of preparation thinking you're doing one thing and then you get a surprise woge bomb, I'm sure it knocks you off your kilter a little. But that didn't help any. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. ARUP needs your help. Donating blood before a long weekend is critical. Please donate blood over the Memorial Day weekend. Call to make an appointment today at 801-584-5272 or online at utahblood.org. ARUP needs the Zones listeners to step up and donate today. ARUP, 801-584-5272. Absolutely. Get down with ARUP. Do you know me? PK, we're going to give anything away in the 8 o'clock hour? Yeah, your fortune. And? Jazz tickets. More importantly? Your fortune. Not? I know, you're so tight. Does Jeez. it come with a moat? Man, could you buy me a meal just once? Moat's real expensive, man. <laughs> well, I know, I, you Most imported fortune. salt water to make you feel like you're at home. That was awesome. The albino alligators, come on. Got saltwater crocs, man, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you got your Crocs. This whole thing's a Croc. <laughs> Jazz tickets coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Nice! For what game, pray tell? Tonight. All right! Tonight's game, 8 o'clock. In which they will even it up. Yeah, see, we didn't want to give away for Sunday. We thought they might lose. But here tonight, I mean, nobody wants to walk out of the arena and your team lost in a playoff game. That's the ultimate downer, right? Yuck. 
So we're, we're waited until we know that they're going to win. That is the question of the day. What is your confidence level? We have people tweeting at us. Uh, we got uh, Superman, Christopher Reed. Super, the gif. Christopher Reeves tweeted at us? Or when did <clears throat> Facebook that Kurt was? Garfield tweeted a Superman gif at us. Of Christopher Chris, Reeve? Of Christopher Reeve, yes. Uh, is he passed? You know, he, 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 I believe so. He had that yeah, awful accident. Did. Yeah, I think he did. Neil Patrick Harris from How I Met Your Mother giving himself a self-five. Gecko Kakoda there is just really sure it's going to happen. Jill sends this Donovan Mitchell sitting on the bench, thumbs up, pointing at the court, smiling, trying to suppress the giggle. Brandon Jensen sends us a gif of Snoop Dogg dancing. Little caption says, we got this, and Snoop's raising a glass of champagne while he dances. I'd be we bleeping got this. Uh, not in this gif. No, I know. But... Well, Possibly, but, but yes. his song, We Bleepin' Got This? Oh, man. I play it all the time. Jeff says, I'm a jazz fan. Me too. Have been my whole life. Me too. It's over. Bring in the bulldozers. O-V-A. Ova. <gasps> he went with the ER. Well, when we're done with this, the Grizzlies are going to need the ER. Cat Dramatic. RJ, how confident are you this thing gets even at 1 1? Gives us just four letters. V R Y. V R Y. That's three letters. V E R Y. What part no, are you not listening? You said V R Y. No. What part are you not listening? V-E. Chump? Chump? <laughs> I was like, V-R-Y. I said V-R-Y. Ah, well, in my brain, I this said is, V-E-R-Y. This is that Simpsons thing. I ran the I V and so the E together. S-M-R-T. S-M-R-T. <laughs> Four simple letters. V-R-Y. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> I counted them with my fingers. Oh, wait a second here. My thought exactly like, one, two, three. Where's number four? Murray. Ran the V and the E together there. Modern. Modern. See what I put up with people? And I just do it so joyfully. That's what we've noticed. I'm an All the joy, teammate, man. Morning after morning of nothing but joy. Yeah. Jack says the Jazz are going to give Memphis a swift kick in the pants. Oh, what are they going to be? Anthony Davis to Jay Crowder? There it is. <laughs> That looked like it hurt. I know. He was down, and they, 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 they take, what do you need to look at? It was unintentional. I don't care if it was unintentional. You can't kick I mean, there's guy plenty there. of fouls that aren't intentional that happen yep. during a game. Yep. So who cares, man? I mean, gosh, you can't be doing that, whether it's intentional or not. The man was in obvious pain, and he's a tough guy. There's nobody tough enough to handle that. No, from a, I can imagine the leverage of a seven footer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, man. I'm surprised they didn't throw him out of the game. You can't do that. Then Draymond Green took the Twitter. Wait a second. I did that. And Reggie <laughs> right. Miller said it was on purpose in here. It's not blah, 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 blah. And I, I agree with him. And seem like uh, anything close to a basketball play, you, you flick your legs out like that, that much. And he and I would have rescinded the foul. 
Hector says this series is going to be 1-1. Don't ask me how I know. And he's got Vince McMahon coming out strutting in the gray suit. Oh, yeah, we've all seen that. Yeah, that gift's been out there a million times. Yeah. That walk. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of goofy. Oh, well. Kind of confident. He's He's selling it, I know. He's the Don King of that genre. Yeah. And good for him. It's all about making cash. And he's cashing in. And he's made it, so I appreciate it. He's got to do some more of it so he can set up XFL 3. Whatever. None of that stuff is going to make it if you try to pretend you're going to be anything close to a developmental league or, or competing with the NFL. But hope they good luck to you. All right, when we come back, we got to give away some jazz tickets. Stay with us. DJ and PK, we got Tim McComb coming up at 8.30. Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Christian Roberts Mortgage. If you're going to work with an expert for your home, your next home loan, you need to connect with the most referred lender in Utah, Christian Roberts Mortgage. Christian Roberts Mortgage specializing in jumbo loans. You got tickets. Yeah. You need to give them away. I bought them myself. You did not. I bought tickets to the game tonight. What are you talking about? I'm taking the whole family. Not these tickets. And we're dressing up in our jazz gear. Now's the time. If you have any superstition, now's the time. Because the ball club cannot afford, series-wise, to go down 0-2. It gets real difficult at that point. Not impossible, but it gets real Yeah, difficult. we were wondering what those stats were, and then the Clippers went down 0-2, and they put them up there on NBA TV. What you have? 27 of the 31 teams that have been down 0-2 have lost in a best yeah. of seven. Gotcha. I think there's one more that was 0-2 in a best of five, because I think Barkley's sons with the Lakers, and Westfall guaranteed it. Well, didn't the Jazz was in 0-2? Did Dallas? But, but Dallas didn't lose the first two at home. Oh, yeah. You got to lose the first that, two at but... home. That's the 27 of 31. His teams that have lost oh. the first two at home. Not just losing the first gotcha. two. You got to lose the first two at home. Yes, I was down there in California at the time. Westfall, the, the late, great Paul Westfall said, we're down 0-2. We're going to go to Los Angeles. We're going to win game three. We're going to win game four. We're going to come home. We're going to win game five. And everyone's going to say what a great series it was. And doggone it, they did it. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I remember him saying that, going, it's a little optimistic there, big guy. But I mean, it could happen, but sure enough. But I think that was one versus eight, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I know the Suns had the best record in the league that year because yeah. uh, they had home court and lost to the Bulls. You're right. You're right. And I also think that— The Lakers uh, were in post-magic, pre-Kobe Shaq rebuild yeah, mode. I think that uh, game five went OT. Oh, really? I believe it did. I'd have mm. to double-check that. You know I will. Uh, yeah. So, but they did that. But you don't want to. You don't want to flirt with that. You don't need man. to mess with that. You need to go out and win. You need yeah. to tie it up at one one and go to Memphis. So, if you want to go to the game tonight, I mean, you got to unveil your strongest superstition. And let's be clear. I have my phone lines are banked right now. They're full. I'm not <laughs> doing callers right now. Just everybody out there. Okay, so here's what we want. Well, if you can't get through right now, you grab your phone. Yes. You use our app. Use the open mic feature. But we didn't tell them what it was. And you send. You send it in. Go ahead. Your best superstition. Sports fans are notoriously superstitious. Anybody in athletics is notoriously superstitious. You know, Van Horn had a thing where I remember him telling me he had to wear this little uh, brace on the bottom of his like left calf, and he had to do it in l- the layup line before the game. 
And if he didn't have that on in the layup line before the game, that spelled bad news for the game. Van Horn, the greatest shooter of them all, told me that one time. And so fans are notoriously superstitious. I told you that my friend one time in college, big, big Suns fan, he had a chair and he's pacing the floor because the Suns were losing, blah, blah, blah. So he took the back of the chair and he leaned over it. So he had one leg over it and the Suns made this comeback. So he had to watch the game standing with his one leg over the back of the chair. What is wrong with people? (laughs) But they won. (laughs) Oh, well, then it's totally worth it. (laughs) So you have to have the superstition, and it has to be successful. We don't want any of your new superstitions, people. We want proven winners. Yes, yes. So you get it. What do you do? You download the app. And you got 15 seconds to tell us. Yes, use the open mic feature on the Zone app. You can get in whichever app store your phone happens to use. And yes, record 15 seconds. Tell about that. Tell us about that superstition, and we will pick from the submissions. And your team has had to have won. Yes, your team has to have won. Which it's got to be successful because we need all the positive mojo. You have special socks, whatever it might be. Because this team goes down 0-2, man, it is gloom. Doesn't mean it's completely out of the way, but it's only been done four times when the home team has lost the first two and then went on to win the series. You're getting you're getting in danger zone at that point. If you lose your first two and you lost them at home. Obviously, then you'd have to win four out of five. You'd have to win two ball games in Memphis. And that's not that unusual on its surface to think, oh, can the Jazz win two ball games in, uh, in Memphis? Yes. But coming on the heels of lost two, at, lost two at home, that makes me nervous. I got to admit. So I can't label tonight a must win, but I can say it's as close to a must win without being a must win. You're a man of the people because if it's 0-2, you're not going to be the only one who's nervous. Of course not. There'll be a long line of people right behind you. Yeah. And nobody wants that. I'm on the Dwayne Wade bandwagon. If Dwayne doesn't want it, I don't want it. So send in those submissions now on the open mic. We will pick our winner at the end of this hour. Yeah, we're going to give you a whole half hour. PK's still working on that golf thing, just sucking up to Dwayne Wade. Might as well. (laughs) You really think that's going to work? I hope so, because I want to go too. Dwayne, I'm fun (laughs) to play with. If you don't want to talk, I can be as quiet as a church mouse. If you want some good one-liners, I'm there for you. I want to play golf with Dwayne Wade before I leave this earth. Work it, PK. Work it! D. Wade and PK. Proven superstitions that work. We need all the mojo tonight. This has been going on forever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Previous playoff uh, playoff runs, we've heard stuff. Uh, families that had to eat tuna casserole every game yeah. because that was the dinner Ugh. when the Jazz won a big game. I couldn't eat at any meal. <laughs> tuna casserole's like good every once in a blue moon. I've had tuna casserole in a long time. Uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. that I've ever had. It's comfort food it. once in a while. But multiple days. Yeah, I know. To eat it all during the <laughs> Didn't Wade Boggs eat chicken before every game? He did. I had a buddy. He did. That was like a 2 or 3 p.m. meal or something like yeah. that before a game. I had a buddy in high school who ate like a, it's a court, um, one of those court like Tupperware things. Yeah, yeah. White rice, plain, nothing on it. He ate the whole Ooh, thing before yeah. every game. That seems like eating straw. 
I better have some uh, beverages right there, man. So you got to wash that down. Dry. Yeah, you got to wash that down. <laughs> yeah, and then Ron McBride had a bunch, right? Did whole stories on all the stuff, the walking through the mud before games, all kinds of weird stuff. Now, some will say routine. What's the difference between routine Walking and through mud. A routine is taking a nap at the same time every day, getting the sleep cycle down, eating at the same time every day. I don't think those are superstitions. Yeah. When you start eating the exact same thing before 162 games, that to me is a superstition. But the fact that I, I play the best when I eat at 3 o'clock because I had time to digest, that doesn't strike me as a superstition. That's, okay, a, but that's if, a routine. Sure, but if, but if you, you don't, don't thing freak rice, out... What? If you don't do it that day, do you freak out? Do you start getting Okay, I get it. Then it's a, sup- it's, a, it's a routine to me, but it's a superstition to you. It I don't know. I'm asking. It shouldn't be the end of the world if you take your nap 30 minutes later. That just shouldn't be that how can, big how a deal. How can you plan an everyday nap? 82 games. You know you're going to nap at 320 every day. I, there's no way I, I guess I'd, I guess I'd want to hear that every nap isn't the same. Sometimes you sleep. All naps aren't created so, equal, right? And sometimes you don't. You kind of, you just kind of, you don't really drift off. You kind of maybe you start to drift off a little bit. Other times you're just like, boom, you're out like a light, and because I get your point, right? I couldn't guarantee myself so that I'm going to be able to fall asleep, right, every day at the yeah. same time, especially I, when you're moving around in different that's hotel what I'm saying. rooms. You're all over the place. I, I do think you're at that home, they, maybe I do think it's easier for NBA players than it is for a lot of people because I think they're sleep deprived because of their travel schedule. So I, I'll bet there are days, day, not right? Exactly. Game. But I'll bet there's a lot of days in there where it's easy to go to sleep. I think it's more along the lines of that you get off your feet, yes, and you relax. Whether you flip well, close your eyes, whether you fall asleep or, or not. music or yeah. whatever it is, or you read something. I don't know. Any number of way to get yourself uh, relaxed. You listen to. I, I usually uh, like to listen to jazz music. Sixty six on my app. Channel 66, Boney James. Who was Tony Gwynn's favorite? Nice note. Yes. Maybe maybe Tony listened to Boney James and taking the 2 o'clock pregame nap. And then getting three hits. Sweet. Two of them opposite field between the shortstop and the third base. Ah, the 5.5 hole. Exactly. He perfected it. Yep. They ought to have his face there at the ballpark in the in the uh, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> when they win the World Series this year. All right, hit us up with your superstitions, and you can tweet us. David DJ James, you want to put him on Twitter. You can hit us there. I'm going to be real excited to see Mitchell at the start of this game. Now we talked to Mike Smith, and we and I asked him about you know do you have any concern about Mitchell just coming out like like going to the dog races and they open the gate and those dogs shoot out there like crazy you know what I mean? And some sometimes they fall and roll over blah 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 blah. It'll make you and, a little nervous if he tr- if he has that kind of start and he tries to go out and score twenty in the first quarter, which well, is obviously unlike him, right? But yeah, so I'm just but wouldn't you be confident if you saw him in the first? I don't know, four or five possessions, try to blow past whoever's guarding him and get to the hoop. Or just pull up smooth jumper that he does because he looks so smooth. When he's got it going on, yep. he looks as smooth as any player that I've ever seen. I mean, he's just pure, on balance, textbook. 
Yes, but I'd like to see him blow by somebody. Okay. And I don't care if he dunks it or not. Sometimes he does that scoop laying thing. I don't really care about that one way or another. But to send the message early, you really can't stay in front okay, of me, Okay, but that, that might be a surge of adrenaline, too. Yeah, but and that what, message... Is that going to last? Putting doubt in somebody's mind about whether they can stay in front of you early in the game, that opens yeah, stuff up. Yeah, but I don't know if he's going to be doing that in the fourth quarter if it's tight, where that mid-range thing, you just get a simple pick, and he comes off of it either side yeah, and he, just looks smooth at a 15, 16-footer. Either way, whatever. He likes to go to the hoop late in the game, too. So, whatever. As long as he hits his first shot and is feeling confident. I, I think for me... Don't care what it is. Uh, I'm just interested. I'm curious to see how he's going to be. Team-wise... I want each of the dudes to make their first three. I want Joe to be one for one. I want Mitchell to be for one for one. I want Jordan Conley Clarkson to be after the 0 for 8. I mean, he doesn't start, so it'll take a few minutes right, before he gets right. in. So I'm talking about but the starters w- first. Okay. Then I was going to get to Niang and uh, Jordan uh, on their, when they come in. And Joe, Joe wouldn't start either, I wouldn't think. So I have to put him in there in that situation. So And obviously, Bogey is their other guy. And have them all. Have like so they basically have seven three point shooters in their nine man rotation. Favors and Gobert don't take them. So I've, I want to see a box score at the end of one, seven guys one for one from three. Well, that would be awesome. So seven. that's uh, twenty one of their forty four points they scored in the first <laughs> quarter. I'll bet you there are people who don't want the Jazz to have too big a lead after the first quarter. Why not? Because then you relax. So what? You can't get your mojo back. Well, if I got too big of a lead, then that means they ain't coming back because the lead is too big. What did the Lakers do to the Kings? 40-4? to That was a regular season game, and it was the Kings. And they were terrible. Right. Memphis is not terrible. Memphis is good. And the Jazz are good, too. So uh, I want to see everybody just be in rhythm and have a level of confidence. Because I'm sort of nervous. A confidence is such a fickle, fickle thing. And if they miss a couple, you know, I don't want it to wear. I want head up, good body language, lots of emotion pointed in the right way. Fans will be going nuts. And keep, keep, if the shots aren't falling, you always say that the, the, the players need to give the fans something to be excited about. That's a cliche, and it's true. But let's have it tonight that you're excited no matter what. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. Coming up, you're going to be sending your superstitions that work, that are proven winners to Yach. Use our app. Use the open mic. Record it. Send it to Yach. You got a few already, Yach? Yeah. Got a few. Already coming through them. All right, let's get a few more. Send them in. We got tickets to see the Jazz and the Grizzlies tonight. 8 o'clock tip time, pregame at 7.30. Right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke joining us. So when Donovan Mitchell comes back, Dylan Brooks will probably get that assignment. How does that affect the ability of other guys to create some opportunities for themselves? I think that opens up everything. Like, I just don't think he could take Joe Ingles out of the game the same way if Donovan Mitchell's on the floor because he can't guard both of them. And frankly, Donovan torched Dylan Brooks during the regular season, statistically at least. But Donovan being absent from that game changed everything. 
I think both psychologically, what the players went through in the six hours before tip-off was certainly different than what they anticipated. And then we just had guys who had bad nights. You go through four days of preparation thinking you're doing one thing, and then you get a surprise Woj bomb? I'm sure it knocks you off your kilter a little, but that didn't help any. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hands and Scotty G, Friday from 10 to 2 at ARUP, 9786 South, 500 West in Sandy. Come save a life and donate some blood. You'll receive a gift card and Utah Jazz gear for your donation. When's that? That is Friday from 10 to 2. Cool. Jazz gear. Be getting you ready for Game 3 Saturday night in Memphis. We got Jazz tickets to give away. We're going to do it in the next segment. Your best superstition, a proven winner. You ready for this one? This guy just tweeted at us. This is pretty funny. What you got? He says, my superstition is a team-specific jersey, by color, sitting in my toddler's chair, (laughs) one foot on the coffee table and one foot by my fish tank. It worked with a Colts comeback against KC in the 2013 wildcard game. Seems to work every time I watch a jazz game. So I tweeted back, and I said, then we blame you for Sunday. <laughs> That's your fault. But he didn't think to do it, though. Well, he should have. Well, you can't do it every time. Why not? Because nobody is undefeated. That's your fault, then. Your superstition either works or it doesn't. No, you got to pick 20, your spots. That 2013, you remember that game, Colts and Chiefs? That was like some crazy 45 44 game or something like that. No idea. Crazy game, yeah. No, I don't remember it. No, you can't have a superstition every time. You got to pick your spots. Now's the time to have it because you cannot afford to go down 0-2. You don't want to break it out in game one. You break it out now. Now you lost a home ball game and you're down 0-1. you got to get this one. It's imperative that you get it. So now is the time we need that. And you can't have superstitions on Sunday. That just seems sacrilegious. What did I just say right now? The submissions we have. Yeah. Some good ones in there. Really? Yeah. Going to be competitive. I think so. Going to be competitive for the tickets. I'm thinking you guys are going to be cracking up. Okay. These. We'll hear them on the air for the first time. Yach's going through them now, but we don't, we don't know anything about it. You got to have it when you need it. When you, when you need it the most. You need it 16 times the most. No. You need it. I would yeah, wear that you, superstition out. But you could also lose 12 times. You could. No champion has, but you could. Okay, but so what? We barely do. And we, we got eons and eons to go in the <laughs> we, world. We do. And we just barely got started here. Do you ever think of that? What's the record like the for most losses? In, uh, in the year 4,075, 
they're going to look at us the way like we look at people in BC. That's weird. Yeah, but the apes take over the planet in like 3220. So I've seen the Planet of the Apes movies. I know how this is going to go. Which is a waste of time. I'm going to watch that nonsense. Okay, well, then the apes are going to think, man, those humans back then. <laughs> they didn't know what they were doing. They were freaks. Yeah, they couldn't even fly individually. They had to get on this thing called a plane. Yep. And we're all squished in there and only got peanuts on a transatlantic flight. So you can't break out that stuff all the time. You only have to, you can only break it out when it's most necessary. And, and now it's necessary. This is now's the time, people. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Tim Lacombe, jazz radio studio analyst. You hear him on the pre-half and post-game shows. Tim, good morning. Good morning. I didn't hear what PK, PK said now's the time, and then I heard about packing into a plane with peanuts. Um, <laughs> but that's all, that's all I took from that little piece that I heard. Well, I didn't even take that. Okay. Well, whatever it was, I'm I'm all for it. Are we talking about how now is the time that the Jazz? It's not a must must win in the purest sense, but it is extremely important. You do not want to go down 0-2 under any circumstance because the task gets awfully difficult. So we're talking about the need for folks to unveil their greatest superstition because I don't view it as a must win but I view it as darn near close. For me, it's a must win. I don't see, I don't see how, because I mean, really it's just the way Memphis came in here and it reminded me of, uh, you know, a a tough guy walking in and taking a target and going over and bullying the heck out of them. It really, that's what that game felt like. They got, they came in with an attitude, um, you know, so I think it's something where, especially these first two games being on your home court, I just think it's important. You got to get. I think this is is when they've they ha- they have to win if they're going to win the series. Okay, but we've heard all kinds of stuff about you know you play as well as you prepare and you get confidence from preparation and the Jazz prepared for thirty six hours and then threw it all out the window at about four four thirty, and from the coaches to the players. There was a lack of confidence in what they were doing because that was the most unusual preparation they had all year. Unless I can, I can't think of anyone who got ruled out right before game time this year. They they missed guys, but they kind of knew it was coming. I think in most situations, uh, except maybe the Indiana game where they lose Donovan during the game. So. I write a lot of it. I mean, I know that Jazz shot the three poorly, and I know that uh, Dylan Brooks went nuts, but I think offensively and defensively, all the preparation was off. All those cliches, there's some truth in them, and the Jazz were on the wrong end of all those trends and all that preparation, the lack thereof. React, Coach. You been in that situation? Yeah, well, when you hear those guys talking about it, and I have been, um, you know, I've been in situations through the years where, you know, our plan for either our team or the other team changed, you know, when you go out to, to warm up and you've got a guy on your team that's going to kind of see if he can go or not. Um, you've got in your own mind, hey, this is the way this thing's going to go, and then it goes a different way, or vice versa. You know, another team you're playing is missing a guy 
where you're planning on a guy and then they don't play or they do play. Um, so it definitely affects. But I, I think the most concerning part to me was really that Memphis, as I watched the playoffs, you know, I watched Phoenix last night again uh, play with great emotion. Um, obviously couldn't, couldn't win a second game because the Lakers understood the importance of it. Uh, but then you go watch the Maverick um, Clipper game. I mean, if you're watching that Maverick Clipper series and the Mavericks just won two in, in, in LA, I mean, I would love to see what the, um, you know, what the odds are now on the Clippers winning that series is going to be really, really hard. So yeah, there, there's some part of it that is definitely the jazz were, were disconnected. I think that's the word Rudy used. And, and you can kind of go back to the preparation piece, but I think that all, all well and good, but they've played without Donovan and they beat teams. They beat this team without him. Um, so I think there was just a little bit of, of what Memphis came in with an, with an idea. Hey, we're going to really muddy this game up. We're going to play really physical. We're going to talk a lot. And I think ultimately that all that stuff. And then the fact that jazz couldn't make a shot from, you know, pretty much anybody, those things all really kind of uh, tumbled into a really bad afternoon. So there's no question about that. I agree with everything you said, and I'm, I'm I believe that the Jazz will uh, catch up on the shooting. I don't believe Dylan Brooks will go berserk again. But the one thing that concerns me is Morant because I saw him do it against the Warriors in that winner take all game, and then he came right back in game one and did it against the Jazz. So that's my biggest concern from the Jazz perspective looking at the Grizzlies is how are they going to slow down what Morant's able to do? Well, I, I thought, thought that, you know, one of the areas that we talked about in preparation and pregame uh, on Sunday was that you can't have live ball turnovers against John Morant because he is a one-man fast break. Well, the Jazz did a nice job of, you know, they had 12 um, – I think they only gave up about six points, so they're able to stop the play um, or get back and defend it. But what really is the most concerning piece is just the way that Jock closed the game, and that's what reminded me, uh, like you say, of the Warriors series. You know, a high ball screen um, where he's, or or a wing ball screen where he's just on attack, and when Favors was in there. Ja was able to get that corner nearly every time. You know, the hedge did not really work. Um, and then he is so good in that floater range, which is, you know, by statistic, it's a shot that um, if you're going to give something up, you're going to give up kind of a floater from the mid-range more so than the rim or the three. But Ja makes that really look easy with great regularity. So what's going to be interesting to me is as the game winds down and if we've got a close one you know there's no doubt what memphis is going to do offensively you know how do the jazz counter um and people would say well what would you suggest what do you, what do teams do and you saw in the warriors game um you know when steph had the ball uh he was double teamed everywhere and so maybe late in the shot clock or late in a game perhaps maybe a double team to get the ball out of jaw's hand and really favor the ball to go somewhere to a guy like Kyle Anderson, who doesn't shoot, he shoots 36% from three, but it's not his thing. Um, you know, he's not just going to be a guy that catches it quick and gets it off. So there are going to be some, some adjustments, but 
I'm with you that the way the job played and the way he kind of went anywhere he wanted to on the floor, that makes you nervous in a series. How much of that was because Rudy played 25 minutes and some of that 25 he was uh, not as aggressive as normal because he was in foul trouble and he didn't want to foul out, although he ultimately did. So how much is Rudy not in foul trouble changed that whole equation of defending Ja? Well, I think him being on the floor more minutes is obviously a really good thing. Um, and when he's out there, you know, he does a, a really good job of maintaining the edge uh, on a hedge, being able to drop, but still really kind of affect a floater. Um, you know, I don't think it's the be-all, end-all. I think Jaw's going to be Jaw, but I think that Rudy will lessen the impact. Um, and it's way more important, obviously, that he's out there in crunch time because that's, you know, that's what you really need out of him. I, I've gotten to the point with a lot of these games where I won't hardly even watch the first quarter, second quarter, I'll flip the game on. Uh, I'm talking other games in the NBA, like last night. I'll go watch the third and fourth, and you can pretty much get an idea of what's going on. Uh, so that's when you want Rudy on the floor. He needs to be out there. The foul trouble was definitely a huge impact, and, and it lessened his ability to be aggressive because, like he said, wasn't sure what was a foul and what wasn't that night, um, which is a common occurrence when I watch Ken Maurer officiate, by the way. You don't like Ken Maurer? Not a big Ken Maurer fan. Who's Ken Maurer? Referee yeah, slicks his hair straight back. Well, I know he's a referee, but I want to know which, which one so I can look for him. Middle name, first name, Ken, middle name, Ego. Oh, you there's, got a problem there's with Ken Maurer, huh? Well, there's just a good amount of it, – it's the the character type of officials like that. I, I love an official who will sit and talk to you and, you know, but this guy's a – you can tell he's a – he is an egomaniac, and he had his fingerprints all over that game on Sunday. But that's enough about referees. All right. Go ahead, DJ. I got to pull you. I got to see who Ken Maurer is. <laughs> M-A – Fifty-year-old white guy. Fifty. Fifty-year-old white guy hair slicked straight back. Okay. He's fifty. Oh, I think so. He's been doing games a long time. He's Sixty-six. He's sixty-six. You gotta be older. Fifty. <laughs> when you're saying fifty hair, fifty-year-old white guy's hair slicked straight back, I thought you're describing me. Hey, oh. <laughs> All right, I got his picture here. All right, there you go. Now he's got him locked down. Uh, would you do anything to get uh, Jordan Clarkson going, or would you just tell Jordan Clarkson to take his 15 or whatever shots and, uh, you know, it'll happen? That's the beauty of Jordan. Um, he, he's going to take the same shots. And, you know, the shot that is definitely there for these guys to make um, with, with the way Memphis guards ball screens is as if they can get a nice, good uh, screen at the top of the key – there's nobody there on the help. You know, they don't bring a guy up. So, uh, Valanchunas, if there's a ball screen, he's 10 to 12 feet dropped in the paint waiting for the roll and trying to, you know, muddy up any kind of penetration. So, Donovan, when he played in the games one and two, or first two games this season, uh, in March, I think it's March 24th and 26th or something like that, the two games at home that the Jazz played the Grizzlies, he did a great job at top of the key, coming off, getting a little bit of space, and making that off-the-bounce three. I think that three is going to be important. I think Jordan is another guy who can make it. He hasn't been making it very well lately. 
And, you know, he just threw a zero up on the board for the first time in years uh, in a game from three. So I would say that was a, that's an outlier. Um, you know, awesome. He won the sixth man of the year. Hopefully that gives him a little bit of, uh, of confidence. But I, I don't think he lacks for confidence. Like you said, I think he's going to go out and play Jordan Clarkson basketball. And really the ball's going to go in or the ball's not. And hopefully tonight it goes in because the Jazz do need a couple dudes just to kind of lead out and make shots. Okay, but if it doesn't go in from three, do you just keep firing it up? Or do you try something different? Because with Clarkson individually, he can get to the basket. And he's very creative. Yeah, his counter, his counter is that. Um, you know, I, I still believe he needs to shoot, and he still needs to shoot threes. I'm not the kind of guy if you miss a couple because Jordan's shown that. I mean, the Warriors game a couple weeks ago, you know, he was he was he couldn't make anything the first three quarters, and then he went crazy in the fourth quarter. And that's always there for him unless he stops shooting. Um, but to your point, PK, yes, I think you miss a couple. You know, the, the one thing you always try to do is you're, you're going to shoot good looks. But as a whole, I think the Jazz need to be more aggressive offensively. Uh, like I said, I think Memphis threw the first punch, um, and they landed it. And Dylan Brooks was, you know, the, the heel of the game. Uh, I'm sure, the, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of attention to him. Um, I wouldn't mind somebody just screening him really hard with as Majerus used to say within the context of the rules, just put that guy on his tail uh, early on to, to send a message that tonight's going to be a little bit different. And, um, but for Clarkson, yeah, he needs to shoot threes, but he also needs to get to that, that other part of his game. And, and again, part of the reason that that's not as, as available, excuse me, as available is the way that Memphis drops their big and really kind of takes advantage of, um, you know, being kind of already pre, preset in the paint if somebody are, is to drive. So stuff that they've got to work work out and work around, ball movement will be a key um, to be able to get what they want. Tim Lacombe joining us, Jazz pre-half and post-game radio. Do you have any superstitions? Oh, tons. What do you got? Well, I'll tell a funny story. When when the Jazz were in the finals, I was living in in Austin, Texas. Um, but in the early rounds, this is really I'm gonna I'll I'll tell the story, but you, you'll never look at me the same again. Um, my kids, my little daughter was really into Cheetos, and I I decided that one of these Cheetos was the chosen Cheeto, and it was actually going to be a the lucky Cheeto. And so for all those jazz games through that whole run, it was basically sat in a bowl by itself and almost worshiped. Um, <laughs> Cheeto got us to the finals, man. And uh, so, yeah, I, I used to wear same, same pair of socks, you know, uh, obviously washed, you know, but I'd have winning ties when I coached um, shirts that, you know, after you lose, you throw them away, that sort of stuff. So, yes, I'm very superstitious. We're giving away tickets to tonight's game to whoever has oh, man, the, I would best, the best superstition. It's got to be a proven winner. And people are sending in right now. They're using the app. They're using the open mic feature. They're sending it to Yak. He's sorting through them. And he says they're hilarious, but we don't get to know what they are. We hear them on the air for the first time. Yak's the only one who knows right now. 
really. He says they're and hilarious. You're just choosing the one that the one that makes us laugh the most. We'll get tickets tonight. Entertain well, I, I us. My chosen Cheeto fit was that a good one? That was good. I liked it. I don't think it'll win tickets. It'll be a better one, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a terrible submission. I mean, the chosen yeah. Cheeto just sounds funny. So I like that. Worshiping yeah, Cheeto. Just, Come on. You know, you go through the bag and you say, "This is the one." And then you set it apart from all the others. You don't eat it. It has its own area. And when the game comes out, you you present it to the television. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's how DJ picked his wife. Actually, it was probably the other way around. <laughs> I got news she for you. Russian, and she got a, she, or, she got a mail-order American. <laughs> and DJ showed up. <laughs> I think that uh, that's the way it works for most most guys. They are chosen. They think they're choosing, but they, they are chosen. Yeah, my life, my wife got a really bad hop. <laughs> all right, Tim, stay tuned to the next segment. You can hear all the superstitions, and uh, we will get a winner coming up. People have a few more minutes to enter right now. Tim, thanks for joining us. We'll hear you tonight, 7 o'clock on the pregame. Game tips off at 8. Hey, guys. Yes, Tim. Go, Jazz. Tim McComb, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Your superstitions for free jazz tickets next. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Rob Fisher with us here on The Big Show. He's on the broadcast for the Memphis Grizzlies. I heard some stats that on open threes, the Jazz were like 12 of 41, which is crazy. That of their 47 threes, 41 of them were open. They're not going to miss that many again. So I think it's going to be very difficult for the Grizzlies. To win game two, I think the Grizzlies are going to have to play their best game of the year, and that's a tough task. Donovan Mitchell and that entire team is going to play with a vengeance. They're going to come out playing desperate basketball, and the Grizzlies are going to have to try and match that. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. TG and PK brought to you in part by Premier Wave. You've heard about acoustic wave therapy for ED and how it's an effective treatment to help nearly all men. There's now a physician-owned clinic here in Salt Lake. Learn how... Premier Wave is unique by visiting premierwave.com for more information and to learn about Premier Wave's special offer. Jazz Grizzlies game two. The Jazz need to win and get this series evened up at 1-1. You go down 0-2 at home. 31 teams have done it. 27 have lost. Clippers are team 32. We'll see how it plays out for them in the Mavs. Jazz want no part of that. They want to win tonight. PK, you got to break out the best superstition. The proven superstition. Jordan just tweeted one at us. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. In the midst of an undefeated baseball season, when I was 14 years old, I used to secretly knock on the car window three times when I passed a certain house on the 12-mile drive home. After a hard practice before the semifinal, I forgot to do it. Uh-oh. About two miles from home, my dad jerked the wheel and shouted, Did you knock? <laughs> After getting over my shock, we drove all the way back so I could knock on the window. We finished the season undefeated, and I still knock when I see that house.
knock three times um, on the, the, sh- on the window. <laughs> window. Is that what he's in on the car? On the window if you want to so win. So he's not driving. Right, because he's, he's just, 14. So, so he would just father's driving him home from and practice. He would, and he'd go past home and he'd go, on the, knock three times on the passenger window. Okay, got when it. When he sees the house. Makes no sense, but I it got it. It makes no sense, but he and his dad got locked into that ritual two miles from home. All right, that one's been tweeted at us. Now we've got some that have been sent in using our app. Use the open mic feature. Yak, who's first? We're going to go to Amber, one of our P-Huns. Here you go. Every game day, we have the flag flying in the front yard, whether it be the Cougars or the Jazz. It works most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work against well, Coastal Carolina. You're huh? above 500, so... Uh, yeah. It didn't work uh, four seasons ago for the Cougars. <laughs> what was that the three and nine? Four and nine. Four, four and nine. nine. Don't forget that Hawaii win, buddy. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Let's go to Brooks. I had a shirt that I wore underneath my football pads, and I couldn't wash that shirt all week. By game day, I could pick the shirt up by the bottom, and it would stand up straight. Oh, gross. But it worked. Yeah. I had a teammate who did that exact thing, and I can... A test. So an undershirt gross. for the uniform. Yes, like where you run wearing underneath your pads. Right, gotcha. So you had to wear the same shirt before he put the get up on. All right. That's disgusting. Let's go to Gage. If I didn't watch the game live, I cannot look at the score until I've watched the whole recording because I just know if I do that they lost. <laughs> now that would be a powerful superstition. A superstition in the future that can go back and change the past. By the time Gage is watching, they either won or lost. What do you dock on uh, Back to the Future? Here? Basically, yes, you have to be to understand that superstition. I fire, can't. I can't fire do up that. the DeLorean, Yock. If I watch a game that has already been played, I have to know the result. Know the result, and then you just watch to see why it happened. Yeah. See, I'm with PK on this. I, I I need to know the result, and then I can go back and kind of say, okay, that's what happened with it. Yeah. So if I ever miss a Jazz game, which is very very rare, they play them afterward. Mm-hmm. And I'll watch it, mm-hmm. but I already know who won. In fact, sometimes I'll, I'll watch it and thinking, man, this team's down by 20. This is going to be an incredible comeback. I'm looking forward to seeing how and they How did they it. pulled it off, yeah. right? All right, should we move along? Yes, what have you got? So this one came in with Jason as the name, but as you're going to hear, I think it's somebody else. So when I was playing soccer, I played a tournament, and in that tournament, me and my teammate, we did a handshake before every single game, and we won the tournament. Whether it's Jason's <laughs> significant other, a daughter, I don't know what, but it came under Jason's so you, name. So you're saying he doesn't sound like a Jason? Nope. I, he does not sound like a Jason. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Does that see, people Which would make why me one for on one. App. See, we do it on the app, so we can't insult the gender of an actual live caller. No, but you could in- insult the gender of someone on the app. Well, we don't JR. know either way. Let's find out who shot JR. Let's go, JR. I worked at the grocery store in Colorado where Ray, not Ray Bork, uh, Patrick Waugh's wife would come in every home game and buy him a three-inch thick tenderloin. <laughs> when the abs won it all? What year was that? 94. Look it up. Tenderloins for Patrick Roy, pronounced Patrick Wah. Patrick. Let's hear what his superstition is. 
Pay attention. Sorry, I'm still on Patrick. Patrick Waugh. I'm still We're on Patrick Waugh. You though. messed me up. All right, here goes Kevin. Every time I wear my Kelly Tribuca jersey, the Jazz win. And Fletcher heard me in the background. <laughs> Play that again. Every time I wear my Kelly Tribuca jersey, the Jazz win. <laughs> you do hear you in the background. Uh, Colorado won it all in 96 and 2001. So one of those for that. Tribuca jersey. That's old school right there. Notre Dame guy from the 80s. Kyle. Mine is pretty simple. If I can get my brother to not watch the game, the Jazz are going to win. It's pretty much proven <laughs> lock that if he closet? watches the game, they're going to lose. Banging on the door. What, how do you no! accomplish that? The Jazz are up by seven in the third. Stay in there. What do you do? Send them to the movies or? No. Just put a chair in front of the door and just don't let them come out. <laughs> Got the chair lodged under the under the doorknob. All right, Matt, what do we have? So every single time I wear gear the day before a game, the Jazz lose. And every single time I don't wear gear the day before the game, barring back-to-backs, the Jazz win. And this is scientifically proven. It's backed up by Harvard. You guys can look it up. <laughs> okay. Somebody heard Los well, Medical. That's Cambridge. Yeah, that's Cambridge. You better not have worn gear yesterday, buddy. All right. All right, McKay. Two words, jazz juice. Back in the 90s when the jazz would get behind, my cousin and I would start ripping them. The more potent, the better run the jazz would go on. (laughs) Start swearing at him? What do we got here? Is that what he's doing? I believe. Jazz juice, you might be imbibing. Or passing a certain bodily function. Farting? That's what I'm thinking. Well, just say farting. Hmm. I've never used farting as a superstition. <laughs> there is superstition. <laughs> <I am>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it. If I miss it, if I make a putt, I'm farting. All right, let's hear from Trevor. <laughs> During the Denver Broncos 2015 season, I watched every single game and every single game when they were on offense, I'd wear my Peyton Manning jersey. On defense, I would switch over to my Von Miller jersey, and they won the Super Bowl. I probably would have kept the Vaughn Miller jersey on offense, too, and it wouldn't have made much of a difference. So how does that work for the Jazz, then? When they don't have the ball, you put on the Gobert jersey. When they do have the ball, you put on the Mitchell jersey. Uh, Well, on defense and offense. Yeah. The ball's pinging around. You're all tangled in your jersey. You don't even know which one you're putting on and taking off. I don't know how it relates to the Jazz. Yeah, it's easier to do in football, obviously, because – Sometimes there's even a stoppage of time there with a commercial, so I'm not sure how that how it would work. But now's the time. My superstition, Matt says, is for the playoffs, this is what I wear to church. And there's a, sh- a shot of him. He's wearing his Mitchell 45 jersey, and he's got his white shirt over it, and it's dark jersey, so you can see through perfectly. So he goes to, so he puts on a jersey, then has Sunday the white, dress for church. Yes, but and anyone, then of course, you can see through the white anyone, shirt. Anyone, you can absolutely anyone walking in in the parking lot, you know, three seconds day? after him would know what's going on. You, you got a jazz jersey under your white shirt. I've heard of that to a degree, and Tim Lacombe referenced it. Uh, I had knew a big Broncos uh, fan. He wore a Broncos tie. 
on game day and do that that type of stuff. And he had certain Bronco gear he wanted to wear. Stanley says, my superstition is matching the TV volume with the number of the player that we need to get going. House got crazy a couple years ago with Crowder. It's been more calm now with Clarkson. What's Crowder? Was he 99? 99. Wow. You're going to be pulling your eardrums out. Uh, That's pretty funny. And then you have no sound with Ostertag? (laughs) You just turn it all the way Mute. Wasn't he double zero? Double zero. Oh, classic. All right, uh, I got to say, I, I like the uh, I like Jordan's baseball story, knocking on the car window three times and driving past the house and his dad yelling at him and then doubling back. It's dumb. I thought we were giving this away to a zone app uh, listener. I said, I, I said earlier you could tweet him at us, so oh, I like okay. that. I missed that. What do, you, what do you like, PK? I like Amber, the first one, very simple. Play Amber again. Every game day we have the flag flying in the front yard whether it be the Cougars or the Jazz, it works most of the time. <laughs> I just love the, and I'm with you, PK. Her I like the honesty. It, <laughs> like it the works honesty. most of the time. All right, Amber, you want two out of three. That does it. You carry the vote on the morning show. Amber gets the tickets. Sorry about that, Jordan. So close yet so far away. Amber, I will be emailing you to get you those tickets. All right, thanks to everybody who sent in their superstitions. Coming up next, Dan Feldman, Feldman NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Stay with us. ARUP needs your help. Donating blood before a long weekend is critical. Please donate blood over the Memorial Day weekend. Call to make an appointment today at 801-584-5272 or online at utahblood.org. ARUP needs the zone listeners to step up and donate today. That is ARUP. 801-584-5272. PK question in the morning. Series is 1-1. What is your level of confidence? Series is 1-0. What is your level of confidence in the Jazz getting it to 1-1? Well, the guy who's in the restroom fixing the sinks, he's got high level of confidence. Yeah, because? I just talked to him. Oh, nice. <laughs> he said, so we going to get our All-Star back? I said, hold on a second. <laughs> Draper Ute says, I'm as confident the Jazz will win as I am that hair metal bands will never make a solid comeback in rock and roll history. He's got Twisted Sister gif. We're not going to take it anymore. They used correct grammar. We're not going to take it no more. But, uh, okay. I'm pretty confident, yeah. Because they've responded this whole season. Now, I know the playoff is drastically different. But we, we've come to bury them a time or two this season. and They've rallied. They have, yeah. Put together another nine-game win streak. Right, exactly. Free Jazzy Ute tweets in, I'm pretty confident. Although I'm less confident in the Jazz leaving Memphis tied 2-2, though. Uh, yeah, I'm not really even thinking about that right now, though. But I, mean, I understand why you would. Uh, but, well, let's see, what's today, Wednesday? We got uh, Friday to hit that. Earl Partridge's Earl Partridge's ghost. I'm very anxious going into this one. I'm not going to lie. I need the Jazz to storm them out of the gate and assuage my fears. No, you don't. You need them to win by one. Who's Earl Partridge? Have to look that up for you. I don't know. I think he's a general. I just did. 
was a four-star general, U.S. Air Force. Sweet. I don't know about that uh, whole thing on, on, you know, the, the proverbial good start. I, I want to see them be in a flow early because Memphis could play well early too, and so that could kind of mitigate you getting out to a nice lead early. But I think I think it's important for the Jazz to play what we identify as Jazz basketball early, and their style, their flow, the things that they do. That has made them successful, right? So, so that's def- what I want to see. Defending well, contesting all the threes, forcing people in at uh, Gobert. He doesn't get in foul trouble. And then offensively, the ball's moving. Right. It's When they're playing well, it's pretty. It's, as you it like really to say, is. visually pleasing. It really is, man. The ball moves, bing, bing, bing. The last guy throws the last pass gets the assist. But with a boom. But there are probably two or three guys who've made good passes right before that. Yeah, we've seen that in the way they play this season. We all watch, our listeners all watch, so we've seen it a million times to see them move the ball, do what they do, what's made them effective. That's what I want to see. And I want to see hesitancy, and Quinn Snyder talked about that. Uh, So let's not see that. Let's do what each team has a different way of winning particular to their particular team. Some may overlap to a degree. Most likely they do. But we know full well what the jazz formula is and that's what i want to see them get right into that and and have success with it and so i'm not really concerned are they up by two are they up by 10 obviously you know the bigger the lead the better but at the same time do what they do you know what i don't want is an 18 point first quarter Ooh, ooh, yeah that's sort of and you sort of start weighs on you mentally, and you can almost like feel tension in the arena. We've been in that situations too, where you see, okay, this isn't this isn't trending well, and so you start to get nervous there, and then it compounds it. Joseph Lover says, "I am as confident in the Jazz winning as I am that snow melts in ninety degree weather." It do. Having lived in Phoenix, where it's ninety often and it snows often, I can tell you. That that happens. And you should see when it snows and then the next day is 114. Man. The snow is like, I'm out of here. The the whole quick start thing, uh, you know, you want them to play well and look it out of the gate. But I think when the Jazz are, you know, there's that stat about all the 20-point wins they've got this year and all the time, the 10-0 runs. Sure. To me, the most meaningful ones... The one Jazz fans should really want is the third quarter one. Because when they drop those runs in the third quarter, when they build those leads in the third quarter, it's the knockout punch nine times out of ten. They've buried so many teams with good third quarters. You know, they play an okay half, they're up by six or whatever, and then the third quarter, drop the hammer. That's where a lot of games have gotten away, and gotten away to the point you know that they're not coming back. You know, you can build that lead early, but as you like to say, there's so many possessions in an NBA game. If you still have 50 possessions left in the game in the middle of the second quarter or whatever, there's a long time to come back. But you do that to somebody, you know, with three minutes left in the third and the building's going nuts, they're probably done. They're probably done. Like, all right, regroup, go back oh, yeah. to Memphis, try it for game but three. But call it time and score. Yes, time and score, baby. And so, yeah, you know that. And, that, and I agree. If you can turn it on then, your chances of winning the ball game go up. 
and the games exponentially. Cha- the games changed a lot in the twenty plus years since Stockton and Malone were making their ra- their runs. But yeah. that is the one thing that has stayed the same. They often ended games in the third quarter. Again, that five or seven point lead, yeah, playing all right, not great, but yeah, looking okay. And then third quarter, look great, and it was over. The lead went to twenty two, and it was over. And that's the thing this Jazz team has in common with those teams, just ending it in the third quarter with decisive runs. Well, I think that that's important, yes. And that's why I say play the style that has led you to win early because that eases Mm -hmm. the tension Yep, and gets people to relax. And clearly, I think all of us, no matter what it is, we perform better in whatever job we have. Here we're talking about basketball playing when you're relaxed. It just makes sense. You're at your best when you're in a natural state and you're not pressing and you're not gripping. We all know that. And so it's, I think it's the same type of deal here with them. And that's why I want them to see, I want to see them play the way they're capable of playing early, whether they have a big lead or not. I'm not as concerned. I want to see them play the formula that they're playing and that they've played to get them the best record in the league. I think that's what's most important. And let's see it right from the very first possession. And this is a Steve Cleveland thing that he drummed into me when I covered BYU years ago was value possessions. He used to talk about in conference games when everybody has scouted everybody and you've recruited a lot of the same players, so you're familiar with what they're doing, they're familiar with your doing, what you're doing, and possessions become extremely important, meaning don't waste them. And I think we saw early here this team uh, was a little loose with the ball because then, too, when you're loose with the ball and those open court live ball turnovers that we call, that gives the other team confidence. And... I don't really want to see Memphis have not just confidence, but I think when you watch Brooks and to an extent Morant, it, it's cockiness. These guys are young bucks. And they sort of think they believe and belong. And the more you allow them to grow that, the more difficult the task is going to be for you. Without question. Yeah, so don't give them... 10 easy points in the first quarter because you've turned the ball over five times. And they get out there, and Durant, uh, Morant is, uh, you know, he's lightning quick. We've seen that. And he's got all sorts of quickness, too. It's quickness in the open court on a dead run, it's quickness in the stutter game, uh, hesitation, uh, whatever it, you, however you define quickness with the ball, he's got it. At, in various ways, not just running to a straight line from point A to and point B being the basket. No. He can slither, and he can, in a possession when he's getting to the basket, where he doesn't need quickness, he can turn the quickness on to get from one spot to the other that allows him to slither and then gets quicker again. Guy's got it all. And that's why if he goes out and gets his 25, uh, it's not the end of the world, and you'd rather he not do it. I think he averaged just a shade under 20 points a game this year. Uh, but it's also not the end of the world, and it's more someone, whether it's Dylan Brooks or someone else, going off for 31. Yes, and I don't, can, don't I can, get them that yeah, confidence. Right. I can live with John Moran at 25. That's not that much more 
than what I expect him to do. Yeah, that's pretty much standard. Yeah, they he he's he can get that, and they can still get worked. The reason why they won that game, obviously, there's several reasons, but the primary reason was Brooks going off, and then getting all sorts of cocky too. I mean, you can see it. He's one of those dudes who apparently I don't watch a lot of him, but I watch him in college. That he plays better when he's emotional. You know, Joe does that too. And if that's his game, and and you're the Memphis folks, and you're Jenkins, you tell him, yeah, have at it, man. If you need to jaw, whatever it is that gets you going, that's what I'm going to call it. It's jaw and jaw. See what you did there. Jaw and jaw. All right, DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show coming up next. Yach will continue to try to uh, track down Dan Feldman from NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk, but something's up there. He may be stuck on a Zoom call that ran late. All right, DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show next. Stay with us. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Rob Fisher with us here on The Big Show. He's on the broadcast for the Memphis Grizzlies. I heard some stats that on open threes, the Jazz were like 12 of 41, which is crazy. That of their 47 threes, 41 of them were open. They're not going to miss that many again. So I think it's going to be very difficult for the Grizzlies. To win game two, I think the Grizzlies are going to have to play their best game of the year, and that's a tough task. Donovan Mitchell and that entire team is going to play with a vengeance. They're going to come out playing desperate basketball, and the Grizzlies are going to have to try and match that. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Griffin out of the right wing, hands back Harris. Steps into a three. It's good! And now he owns the record for most threes in a playoff half for the Nets. Harris with six of them. Great dish. Schroeder drew the attention. Finish it, A.D. LeBron James, wide open for three. Yes, sir! Dodged across the line from right to left. Mavericks trying to play two for one. Luka off one foot from three! Oh, what a ridiculous shot. He was drifting to his left and just put it up because he was trying to play two for one. Three NBA playoff games. Nets blowing out the Celtics 131-08. They had a massive lead in the first half and just kind of Played the last 24 minutes because, well, the rules say you have to and all the commercials were sold. That game was over early. Nets win 131-08. They're up 2-0. PK, does Boston get a game or is it over in a sweep? Because it seems like those are the only questions. And right now, I think everyone's leaning towards sweep. You going to go the other way? No. I got a text from a uh, hardcore Laker fan, longtime friend of mine, last night. Got to say, I'm not sure either the Jazz or the Lakers can beat the Nets if they're all healthy. What do you think? Uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think a lot of people have the doubt. I think you have to get there first before you really worry about it. But uh, Locke told us that a couple months ago. He said the Nets are unguardable. They got three guys out there if they're all healthy. They got three guys out there at the end of a close game. If it's even close, how are you going to stop them? And he also picked the Clippers. Well, that's the key is pick (laughs) a lot of people. And if that person... No, I mean from the West. Oh, sure. Yeah. But I think the Nets' offensive firepower is overwhelming, and everyone can see that. Now, are they going to be healthy? Can they be a little off so you can outscore them and win 120, 115? I mean, the Suns are struggling to get to 100 points against the Lakers. They did after it didn't matter last night. 
109-102 the final, but they got stuck on 92 for about three minutes. Four minutes left in the game, they scored, and they went three minutes without scoring, and the game was over. Well, that's because they were without their best playmaker. No Chris Paul. Played two and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. 23 yeah. for the game. Yeah. So, he's not healthy. Forget it. Lakers are winning. They may win either way, but if he's not healthy and does what he do- did in game two, they're, do- they're done in five. It was not encouraging watching that game last night. Not from the Suns' perspective or the anti-Lakers' perspective, which is probably way more folks around here. I think we've got a few Arizona transplants that have made their way up here. Uh, So, yeah. It would sort of be a bummer if it's uh, Nets and Lakers. We went through all this dog and pony show and then same two teams. Teams that we expected. You got the stars. Yeah. And they were orchestrated, too. It wasn't like it was uh, grown. No. And they went through all these hard times together like they used to do. That's that's for other teams. <laughs> that's for the little people. Yeah. The Jazz and the Nuggets and the Mavericks, they can draft guys and go through hard times. Lakers and Nets will just go to free agency and get some players. Pluck or get, guy, or get chosen by the players who choose themselves. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's orchestrated, whether it's free agency or you force a trade. Because at the time, if you recall, I think Ainge uh, would have been uh, oh, a year and a half ago, he had the opportunity to acquire Anthony Davis and was willing to give a package that New Orleans was interested in. But Davis said, I'm not resigning. What are you going to do that for? And so he went where he wanted to go. And it's really, really hard to get behind those teams and, and pull for them. Normally at the pro level, I've got no teams that I root against because it just it's all they're just it's know, all ball bearings. What's the it, point? It's all entertainment to me. But there's the point. Yeah, it is because it's removing the competition. It's not that like, you like I root against them a lot, and my day's going to be made. But to see them, they they went to an organization was an absolutely in chaos. Or at least LeBron did. They had sucked for so long. He still went there. So everything we preach about the Jazz, the Lakers didn't have. We still went there anyway. It's L.A. I'll make it happen. Now, he's just that good. He can go anywhere and make it happen. But my guess is, you know, he probably knew to an extent, well, I can get Davis, and he's going to force his way out of New Orleans. Small market. Who gives a crap about them? That's a football town. Nobody pays attention. Despite the fact that the NBA force-fed us the Pelicans over and over this year, it blew up in their face. I, I, I refuse to watch it. No point. Yeah. They're no good. Right. Nor I mean, do we really think Zion he's, Williamson's okay and all nor, that. Nor, nor do we think Zion's staying there. But if you force feed me something, I'm going to rebel against it. You weren't alone. And then there's the Clippers, who I just thought looked just not all that interested. That didn't have a feeling of a playoff game. It was just guys go up, up and down, casting up shots and... There was, there's a whole thing about grinding it out and all that. There was, there was none of that. I didn't feel like there was any. There's no grindation? Yeah, no. No. And I just, I'd, I'd really like to know, uh, the, the Jazz use the word connected all the time, right? It's, it's the word of the year. Quinn, Quinn Snyder says it. We get players now repeating it. You said Rudy Gobert just used it. The, la- the Clippers, of all the playoff teams, they look the least connected. It's guys just playing basketball. But, you know, if you go back to the gym an hour later, they'll all be on different teams. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? They couldn't make a run. They couldn't get stops. 
But it didn't really look like they were going that hard to get stops. Dallas ran their stuff and got open shots. Huh. And often pretty quickly. Do you think his Porzingis' trip to the strip club motivated him? Probably not. Hey, man. I can't play like a boob in this game. Hey, oh, he was fined fifty grand for that because he violated the rule prohibiting players from going into bars, clubs, lounges, or similar establishments. Fifty grand, so he had to full well know he was going to get fined. So fifty grand means nothing. Well, some people think they can blend in, but you're seven and three, seven and three. I mean, you can't blend in. You know, you're some six two guard. You might blend in. You're seven three. He's never. He's never. Yes, that's enormously tall. Mark Eaton tells some story about Stockton having something pithy to say in some mall. It might have been the gallery in Houston or someplace like that, walking around killing time. And Stockton could walk around and be unnoticed, but he walked with, uh, with Eaton once, and they both got recognized. And Stockton's like, this is your fault. Although well, yeah, slightly yeah. more colorful than that. Well, I mean, Eaton says he goes to get gas, and it's a community event. Yeah. So seven, he's 7'4", seven man. Pretty much as tall as it gets. Brian. Brian. Hello. Brian, hello. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I'm I, I listening to what you guys are saying, and, I, and I've been thinking about this for a long time because I feel like the NBA is allowing the players to ruin the game, uh, allowing them to, to go to bigger markets to, to do, you know, the, like LeBron James, he, he could have gone anywhere, but he went to L.A., and now... Uh, and like you're saying, the organization was just horrible. But the uh, but because it's a bigger market, they, they're pushing for that. And same with like the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, and allowing Paul George. And I and I just feel like that they're they can't get out of their own way to to make the game better. Like they're just allowing the players to walk all over. That's what I feel like. And you guys are pointing it out. And I wish that that could get out more. Like, come on, what what can they do to to, to keep yeah, I don't know that they can. I don't know that they can do anything. Thanks for the call. I think this goes back to the law of unintended consequences. You know, there was a time when NBA players were signing seven-year contracts and guys were getting them based on potential or on one good playoff series, and then teams had these long contracts forever. So the owners, uh, in a collective bargaining agreement, worked to shorten those deals, and then the players started to figure out, wait a minute, this kind of works in our advantage, and they started putting the opt-outs in there. And I don't know that it can go back. You, everybody has to sign for five years. Really? And I also don't know that it's wrong for the bad for the league. It's bad for us, but is it bad for the league? Because right now, what's going to draw the most attention? Lakers, Nets. Never forget the ability of... Okay. Never underestimate the power of people hating a team or really disliking an athlete to drive the ratings. Not everybody's tuning in because they love player X and they want him to, to win. And that doesn't matter who it is. You know, Tom Brady. Plenty of people watch the Patriots hoping they would lose. They don't like Brady and they don't like Belichick. Sure, but there's plenty of guys like me who don't hate anybody but want to see the stars. But if two teams are stars and you don't like either one, and you were just talking about how both these teams are turning you off, don't you want one team you feel good about? One, no. One. I don't care. One one cowboy with the black hat, sure, but both. I think there's plenty of sports fans out there who aren't into that. That's what you, you grew up that way. You grew up loving a team and hating a team, so that's your frame of reference. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching sports because I like to watch sports. 
And I think there's plenty of people out there like that too. So they're not going to, they don't necessarily hate anybody, but they want to see the best players. So that's what they're going to watch. So I think there's, that's a significant faction too. Let's go see Jordan wowed you. You didn't have to be a Bulls fan. He just wowed you. And so the massive ratings and massive everything around him because that's who he was. I didn't root for or against Jordan. Didn't care. But I certainly watched him all the time. And so who do you want to see? You want to see the biggest stars? Yeah. That's what you're going to end up getting. That does seem like we're headed where we are going. So I don't know that it's necessarily you need a villain. For some, yes, I get it. Oh, the villains work. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think that there's exclusively that you. that's the reason why. I, when it gets to Lakers Nets, if it gets there, I'm not going to root for either team. I really don't care. But yet I'm going to be intrigued by the series. I'm going to be interested in watching. All right, so we spent a lot of time on the NBA this morning, a lot of time on those games and on the Jazz tonight. The Jazz and Grizzlies, 8 o'clock the tip time. Uh, anything else you want to pass along to the people from today's show? Oh, Your no, key for the Jazz winning on the court or all the superstitions we heard about today? Yeah, I don't know about superstitions. Mm-hmm. I try not to get involved in that, although I have not been uh, free of that myself, in, in all honesty. Really? Baseball player, a little high school superstition, or something more recent than that? Not from a fandom, but as a player. Yeah, I mean, because I, I don't really have that fandom winning or losing. My fandom is in the actual competition. That's what I'm a fan of, the actual competition that I get to watch. That's what draws me in rather than the result. Uh, so I, since I don't really have that result interest, it eliminates the superstition. But, yeah, as a player, you know, if you got a couple of hits – which I think I did once, uh, <laughs> you know, made sure I tried to do the same thing the next day or what have you. Uh, so do you ever step across the third baseline? You hop on the line or jump over? I it? don't remember any of that. Yeah. I don't, I, cause I don't really remember anything that I specifically did, but I do remember doing stuff. It's sort of like mild superstition I think was out there. Uh, it's not like I had a, a lot of success anyway, so what difference did it make? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I had, I had to make out with the same gal before the game. Hey, I, didn't like, I didn't like to change him up. Off-season was another story, you know what I mean. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you two looking at me for? You know why. Sick of you two looking at me. Look the other way. Be like that guy who went and let his brother watch the jazz game. Was the, was the last year the best when nobody looked at you? You just went downstairs and you're in the cave, socially distanced? What, the last nobody two? looked at you for a year. For Now oh. we're back to doing the show in the same studio. Yeah, I can't wait for COVID-20. <laughs> Everybody else can. Everybody else can wait. Uh, yeah, I handled it. I rolled with it because it was the circumstances. And I'm basically a loner anyway, so it was no big deal. Some people, but we couldn't look at you, so it was great. You didn't get looked at. I, I know. I just, I just rolled with it. I, I was more. My whole thing is what's best for the show is what I want, and so if that means me being there at the time, that's what was best for the show. I did it. Now, best for the show for me to be here, I'll do it. Whatever, whatever it takes to keep the job and keep the paychecks coming. <laughs> that's what I care about the most. I'll do whatever that whatever is required of me to do 
to keep those paychecks coming and keep this job I'm doing. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Your feedback is on the way. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I grew up in Napoleon Dynamite country. We used to get sports cards, go out like Lord of the Flies, and burn the cards of team players from the other team. Works every time. Sometimes I wouldn't move and my whole lower body would go numb. Or if I was holding the remote in the right way, I would not move my fingers and they would just start to tingle and burn. That's how much I love the Jazz. So my superstition is to get all the player cards from both teams and put them down like a war match and try to predict the outcome of the game. But if we lose, burn them all, burn them all. Since eighth grade, my jazz superstition has been to watch the games live and never look at my phone. Because the moment they feel me look at my phone, they know I'm not fully invested. In high school, we put Icy Hot in the center's jock strap. We won the very first game, so every game after that, he put Icy Hot, and we ended up winning region. <laughs> you got to sacrifice. That's what it takes. <laughs> Keep your phone now because they will know. <laughs> They're going to feel it. Joe yeah. Ingles. I am. We, we gotta, can you say some of these? We got a place for Joe. These will crack him up. We can go on and yeah. where is that guy? Where does she live? Because somehow they'll know. That yeah, Joe's not going to hit this three because he's going to sense she's looking at her phone. Yeah, Bountiful. Is it uh, Pleasant Grove? Where is she? She cannot look at her phone. They'll know. Yeah, they'll, they'll know. Oh, they'll know. Yeah, they can sense it. Quinn Snyder calling timeout, standing up like, ah, I'm not going to drop my best inbounds. Put player. your phone down! <laughs> so that was Jessica who sent that one in. Jessica? Okay, Jessica. They'll know. I agree with you. They'll know. Somehow they'll know, man. If you pick up that phone, they're throwing up a brick. I mean, the cause and effect, it's there. You can draw a straight line. Time for your feedback. Everything you have to say about today's show. We gave away jazz tickets earlier today to see the game tonight. Gave it away to people with their crazy superstitions. So we've still got people hitting us up with all the superstitions that govern their govern their life. A lot of pyros in the group here. A lot of burning of stuff. Player cards. Burn the player cards. The player cards are getting burned. That's what it's come down yeah, to. Yeah, I got ticked one year when the Yankees didn't win the World Series. So I burned my Babe Ruth rookie card. Clint says on game day, I ate two entire pizzas, three hot dogs, and 13 donuts while dressed like at David DJ James. Hashtag superstitious. He's calling you chubby. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of food. That is a lot of food. That's impossible to eat, too. It is. I don't believe that. Sure looks good. Two pizzas and 13 donuts? Like I said, I couldn't do it. I like that. I can eat 13 donuts in a week, let alone before a game. Depends on the donut, I would guess. Clint also <laughs> takes a shot at that last call to the NBA can't let stars go to big markets and glamour teams. I call it in the NBA block Chris Paul to the Lakers. Sure, that was then, though. That was then. This is now. He still got to L.A. and the Clippers. You can't block a free agent. You can block a trade. Yeah. I don't think you block Especially, and they blocked the trade because they own the... The league was running the Pelicans at that time. Yep, they owned So it was an unusual, maybe like a literally (laughs) once-in-a-lifetime situation. The mention of the hot dogs has Pace Mannion texting me. 
Nine Ooh. hot dogs. Three ex. No, four exclamation points. You really did that, man. I can't I, believe I you really, did that. I really what did were you that. thinking? All right, uh, pretty much nothing. We got one. Just was a little bored during a road game. A little bored during a road game, and I took a dare. A dedicated listener of ours just said, hey, this is a really funny topic. I've heard from at least six different friends slash clients of mine who are all members of the dominant faith around this region. And right, Catholics. Said that, yeah, Catholics. And they went to the game and said they're convinced God is punishing them by allowing the Jazz to lose game one. Oh, because they went to game one on a Sunday. Yeah, because they... Keep the friggin' day holy. Yeah, so... Somebody's got to look up the Jazz all-time playoff record on home Sunday games. And then he also said, though, I have been to 31 home games this year. He's a season ticket holder. They've won every game I have been there in person. I was not there on Sunday, and I will be there the rest of the week. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, as far as going on that Sunday, just wait till the first Friday of the month, go to confession, say five Hail Marys, it'll be all good. I love my Catholic faith. Clearly. Dedicated. My mother's sister was a nun. My both sisters were married by cousins who were priests. Your sisters were married by their cousins who were priests. Okay. That's not that hard. It's yep. a, Took me a second. Not my mother's cousin's uncle's brother. <laughs> Don't do it. I just made it up. Okay, good. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense anyway. And both of those cousins were Casserly's. Charlie. Brothers of Charlie. ARUP needs your help. Donating blood before a long weekend is critical. Please donate blood over the Memorial Day weekend. Call to make an appointment today at 801-584-5272 or online at utahblood.org. ARUP needs the Zones listeners to step up and donate today. That's ARUP. Don't don't eat, eat nine hot dogs in one sitting. No, I won't do it again. Come on. I I need you to last a few more years. (laughs) When I'm gone, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) Right now, you're useful to me. Yes. (laughs) You helped that paycheck that I was talking about, so don't don't do anything stupid. All hail the paycheck. Yeah. Like in the year 2045, if you want to eat. 2045. (laughs) Yeah, I intend on doing this puppy till 2040. I don't know about you. It's just the year 2045. I don't, it's, we, 20 years, we're halfway home, huh? Yeah. Yak was doing the math on 20. What? We're coming, well, we just passed 19. So yeah, we got the, next spring. The 20th anniversary is coming up next April. Oh, we got to have a blowout, man. We got to have a plaza wide party. I'm up for that. Yeah. Tables and donuts everywhere. <laughs> 20 years of DJ and PK. Stop by for breakfast. That now, needs to happen, now Mitchell, we need food guys. trucks with with breakfast. Oh, totally! Yeah, we'll have it all day. Sweet. Have it after the show, during the show, and after a twenty four hour. Yeah, celebration. we just thank all the people who kept yeah. us employed because really, you did, you know. Now Mitchell that thinks he's works. got guys who doubted him. Hey, buddy, PK doing a radio <laughs> show for twenty years. You ain't got nothing here, on me. Here we go. <laughs> Talk about overcoming all odds. There were a few close calls early on. (laughs) All right. When we come back, we won't be here. Get the logic of that. Work that out. When we come back, Hens and Scotty will be here. Next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.